Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Mike Olson. I'm Kevin Keane, and today we're discussing The Running Man, released by TriStar Pictures on November 13th, 1987, Friday the 13th, uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Maria Conchito Alonso, Yafet Koto, Jim Brown, Jesse Ventura, Mick Fleetwood, Professor Toru Tanaka, and Richard Dawson as Killian. Written by Stephen E. D'Souza, based on a novel by Richard Bachman, a.k.a. Stephen King, and directed by Paul Michael Glazier. Uh, that was a, an excellent intro, and I'm, I'm glad you got the A.K.A. Stephen King, not uh, nearly as famous of an adaptation of a Stephen King story as The Shawshank Redemption, but uh, I, it was an interesting note that I, I found when I was doing a little research on this myself. Did you know this was based on a Stephen King novel I, before you? I did not you... until this, this viewing. I did not know that. Okay. I, I knew it was based on a book, but I, didn't, I did not ever look into, oh, wow, it's a, you know, a pseudonym for Stephen King. Well, yeah, Richard Bachman, that's a whole story. We may as well just start off with that because... Uh, he had this pseudonym, and he claims after the fact, because it was, he was, through the 80s, he was very much trying to keep it a secret that it was him, and, you know, he would, like, deny it and things like that. And when it was finally revealed and he like, couldn't hide it anymore, he was just like, oh, I just wanted to see if I could, you know, start from scratch again and make, become another successful author once again. But I just get the sense he just didn't want to be associated with these novels. Like it's all like the schlock that he wrote. Exactly. Like and 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 I don't know if you saw doing your research, but this novel was written in one week. I did not see that. <laughs> so, and this was in like peak Stephen King cocaine time. <laughs> so I don't think there's any question that those two things are related. Uh, probably. Although what I I had read is that the the fans of the book, you know, have. Um, are not really a fan of the movie because it, it deviates too much. Whatever. Either way, I don't. I think it's for what it is. It's it's fun. Whether or not the book is better, I, I'll probably never know because I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to pick it up. Uh, other than you know, you you may have just given it more of an endorsement that it may have been fueled on a cocaine binge and written in a week. Maybe I'm interested just for that fact. Yeah. So I I don't buy his story that uh, you know this was this was his attempt to see if he could you know make it again. It's like that's BS. You just didn't want these are the these are the things that you you know wrote as quickly as possible to make a buck. So whatever, I mean, more power to him. I'm not saying I'm not trying to judge him. I'm just saying you know I I get the sense that this stuff is his B stuff. Yeah, the the B side of the album. But you know what? Without it, we wouldn't have a, a fun Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> That's and true. I, I would say that this is uh, definitely in the category of fun. Certainly not uh, like our last episode, one that we think is underappreciated and I pro- probably doesn't hold up well over time, uh, especially since noting as I walked through, uh, 2017 was the key date and we are not that far from 2017. <laughs> no. You'll just get only two more years until we're there. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly the wheels need to, to come off for this Bachman story to, to come true. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's funny because comparing this to Last Action Hero is interesting because I think Last Action Hero is a movie that tonally is very ahead of its time, like we talked about last episode, where it's, yep. it has that irony. Like, whereas uh, The Running Man is very of its time. Like, it's set in the year 2017, but it's not even trying to look not like the 80s. No, that, that, I, I think that's somewhat what is in, in my notes here. Some of the most fun stuff is looking at it. It's like, wow, you, you didn't... Other than you know making, uh, as I recall, a, a, a Coke out of a Coke machine very expensive... 
Uh, <laughs> right. That was their nod. That's how you know it's the future. That's how you know it's the future. But what's interesting, it's like, well, wait a minute. I'm only in 2015 and I can go up with a credit card. Somehow they couldn't have credit cards be working no. in the future, which is just fantastic. Not, not even dollar bills. The machine doesn't even take dollar bills. Well, <laughs> you have to carry a pocket full of quarters. So anyway, that that's um, I... That I'm glad you kind of brought that up early on. I found many, many instances very interesting how the clothes and just about everything feels like it's very much in the 80s, despite the fact it's you know supposed to be projecting into the future. Yeah. Uh, before before we start on uh, The Running Man, I think we have some housekeeping to take care of us for Last Action Hero because that episode, we went really long. And I don't know about you, but I was just so loopy at the end. I, we forgot to give our final counts of uh, like death counts and pun counts and all that. So I assume with that you have it ready to go. I do. Uh, I did anyway. Here it is. Now I, I found a website called uh, Body Count Movie MovieBodyCounts dot com or something. I forget what it is, but I don't trust those numbers. And you I want, trust but verify. You trust it, but you want to verify they're correct. I didn't even trust. Okay. I didn't even get that far. Well, I, I assumed IMDb would have this stuff and I could verify there, but I'm not. I couldn't find it. And That's I found this website. Amazon. And, you need to get to work is what that really means. Amazon does. Yeah. Wait. IMDb is owned by Amazon. Oh, okay, gotcha. I was going to say, like, okay, I thought you meant it should be on Amazon.com. No, I... <laughs> when you purchase a movie, it should tell you it what the death It should tell you the count. body count and the amount of puns. No, no, but I think IMDb should. <laughs> Just underneath the ratings. Yes. Uh, but uh, you'll be happy to know the body count for Last Action Hero is 48, which is the exact number that Arnold gives during the, the scene at the, at the premiere. It's amazing how that works. <laughs> which I, I'm sure is a coincidence, but it pleases me to no end. Where he's like, <laughs> this movie only killed 48 people. Last movie we killed 119. <laughs> we should go back and see if, uh, maybe we'll find it in our discovery in doing these, if there's any mo- Arnold movie that does have a body count of 119. My guess would be Commando yeah. is probably the most likely candidate. As we'll, we've said we'll before, I think, I think that's our best candidate. Yes. That, that might be too low for Commando. <laughs> It, it might be like in the over 200 at that point. Uh, and then uh, for our pun count, I actually screwed up the count last episode because I think I, I missed one along the way. But the, to- the final number was six. Uh, four by Arnold and then two by other people. So uh, All right. that's a decent number. Off, off to a good start. So, okay. So if you had to guess, the running man for both counts, hi- go, give me an over under for, for each. Higher or lower uh, than last the, section here. Yeah, for the body count, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it at... I actually don't. I, for some reason, I don't think it's very high. So I'm going to put the over under at like 20. Oh, I was just I just meant over meaning over or under last action hero. But oh, over under. Okay, I think the body count is obviously probably under. under last action hero. Uh, and the puns has got to be over. I, <laughs> I, I'm not sure you get through a scene without at least one, and there are some great ones. It was pretty close because really nobody has puns except Arnold. But he has enough to put it over the top. I can okay. tell you, you are correct on both counts. But we'll we'll give we'll you the total there. numbers at the end. Uh, so yeah, directed by uh, what's his name, Paul Michael Glazier. So that's which one we just we were just talking we, about it before the show, and now I can't remember. Is that Starsky or Hutch? I, I believe it's Hutch, but right, right. Because Starsky is David Soul. I believe so. Yes. Okay. So uh, somehow, I mean, no, I it, guess. It, not to be confused with Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller, for those that believe that Starsky and Hutch the movie is there. Uh, right. Who played who in that? Did you see that? I... Uh, yes, yeah, so Owen Wilson was Hutch in that, and uh, Ben Stiller was Starsky. Okay, so the director was reversed there, because Ben Stiller so. has directed movies, so in that case, Starsky became a director. Yes, it's very confusing. But uh, yeah, he kind of came out of television, it seems like. It didn't really have a lot of a big filmography uh, before this, or after this, really. No, um, that's what I thought I had seen. And some of the reason I think he was, 
I thought I'd read that he was brought in was that television background. Um, I think they kind of had some false starts with this one. And, uh, you know, maybe, as I said, the fans of the book don't like the direction it took. But uh, I think it's just it's a fun 80s action movie. And I, I think he took it in a good direction. In, in spite of the situation, because one of those false starts that you're talking about uh, was Andrew Davis was originally hired as the director. And he had uh, done uh, he was Steven Seagal's guy. He'd done Above the Law and Under Siege. Under Siege, I guess, was after this, but yeah. Uh, still, I mean, he, he was definitely like known for being that kind of an action guy. I mean, he's really the only guy who ever got any kind of a good performance out of Steven Seagal. <laughs> Those are the two movies. It's like otherwise, right. all of everything his, else is just terrible. Yeah, we love action movies, but Steve, even Steven Seagal, I don't, I, I can't quite dip that deep. No. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously, Andrew Davis later went on to direct a Fugitive. I think mean, that's, that's what he's most well known for, and certainly one of the greatest action movies of all time. So. Yeah, well, I, I, it's more of a thriller, right? It definitely ends like an action movie, yeah. like a big action set piece on the top. Yes. E- either way, I mean, whether it's a thriller... It, yeah, it's definitely a great movie. It, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a movie that has both action and thriller aspects that holds up, I think, well, still even watching it today. Um, so, clearly, of the uh, uh, directors that could have been attached, uh, maybe it would have went in a better direction. It'd been a better movie overall had Andrew Davis stayed on. Uh, at least based on his pedigree, it seems like that. But even without that, I think it's a lot of fun. It's a it's a fun movie, and the thing, and another thing, an interesting contrast with Last Action Hero is, unlike Last Action Hero, which didn't quite know what kind of a movie it wanted to be, this movie knows what kind of a movie it is. It absolutely does. It's like, guess what? This is a B movie. We're not going to apologize for it. We're not going to. There's no pretension here. It's just like we're just going to give you a fun B movie, and you know, we're not going to really aspire to anything greater than that. Absolutely, and I, I think that you know, going into it, you know, if if people ask me about it, I tell them exactly what it is, and that it's look, it's a it's a fun movie that's not good quality action. It does have, I think, some of Arnold's, some of my favorite of his lines from all of the stuff that he's done. Um, but you know, look, it's it it's it's not a great movie. I, I don't I don't think anybody'd say that, but it's fun. There's a difference. It's fun, yeah. Well, are they actually your favorites? Because they're all really bad. They're, they're, they're hilarious. In the- yes, well, that, that's what makes them fun. But in, I will, I'll <laughs> right. just say it right now. One of my favorite ones that I use all the time is, you must be very proud of yourself. It's just so fantastic to me. I don't think I wrote that down. What part of the movie is uh, that? That is when, uh, and I should know the character's name, but when he is in um, the only female in, in the movie, in her apartment. Well, not the right. only female, the female lead. Who, he's in her apartment. Maria Conchita Alonso. Thank you. And, uh, of Predator 2, I believe. Yes. Not the original Predator, but Predator 2. Uh, she says how she, um, I think, writes jingles or whatever, and to his yep. response is, you must be very proud of yourself, <laughs> which is just one of my favorite Arnold's of all time. I didn't it's pre- not a pun. It's just the, the delivery is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he's got a lot of moments like that where yeah. just, it's just... His, his delivery is really funny. Yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe we should plow in here. So it does, as, as I alluded to, um, the I believe it's the economy has begun its downward spiral in 2017. And I think this then takes place a couple years later in well, 2019. Yeah, I wrote down... Oh, is that true? I thought it t- took place in 2017. But not, well, maybe that, it not that it matters. <laughs> uh, I wrote down the entire uh, opening crawl. Or we can just find the clip if need be. But uh, should we go through the opening crawl? Because yeah, sure. it, it's... Okay, so this is the opening crawl. It's, yeah, it's, it, I guess the date is a little ambiguous. Ambiguous. It says, by 2017, the world economy has collapsed. Food, natural resources, and oil are in short supply. A police state divided into paramilitary zones rules with an iron hand. Not an iron fist. Not fist. 
the hand. Yes. The palm is up. I really thought you could do more damage with a fist, but okay. Maybe the hand gives them more like surface area. <laughs> yes. more, more coverage. Okay. Television is controlled by the state, and a sadistic game show called The Running Man has become the most popular program in history of television, apparently. It doesn't specify like the history of that network. It just says, it says the most popular program in history. And it doesn't I, say if it's streaming television. If oh, no, it's, it's television. It's clearly just television. I, yes, but again, that it's stuck in the 80s. What's great is that TV has been completely redefined over the last three years, you know, from 2012 to 2015. But they, they still were thinking network TV back then and had, you know, no, no concept that even HBO probably would, you know, would be a, uh, a, a TV uh, network, if you will. Yeah, but television is still pretty powerful. Like it, it is. Most people do not watch their TV through the internet the way like maybe you and I do, I, or or I may, probably even most people our age. But for even even you know forty five fifty you're, years you're old, prob- you're probably right. Yeah, those people are watching TV. They're not fair, watching fair their shows on the internet. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it, especially like the stuff, the kind of stuff like reality TV, the stuff that this uh, movie is kind of satirizing. To, right. No one's watching that. On no one's going out of their way to be like, I need to, you know, Hulu my you know, no, that, that, American okay. Idol. I'd, Point very well taken. That for this, this definitely would be a TV show that would be looking for a broad audience. It's not looking for uh, like Mad Men that it just needs a very small sliver of the population and still be profitable. Right. This definitely is kind of broad, lowest common denominator entertainment. Yeah, but let's finish this crawl. All art, music, and communications are censored. No dissent is tolerated. And yet a small resistance movement has managed to survive underground. When high-tech gladiators are not enough to suppress the people's yearning for freedom, more direct methods become necessary. And that leads right into uh, Arnold in the helicopter refusing to take those direct methods. Uh, Yes. And the helicopter scene is uh, some of the worst acting that I think I've ever seen. (laughs) Not not just on his part. I think everybody in that helicopter, it, it... well, having watched it, it had been a while since I've seen this. Watching it again, it's just it's bad. It's all around bad. It's just so like static, and it just sits there. There's five guys just sitting like stock right. still yes. in an obviously fake helicopter, going you know just reading their lines. Uh, I think it's funny. I mean, I guess it's because art that are in a helicopter in a confined space. But this movie sets up Arnold to be this like amazing guy. He's he's gonna beat all these gladiators, but he gets overpowered in the first scene by just three guys. Yes, <laughs> like very easily, very, very easily. Three regular guys. Um, I, ne- I I couldn't really figure out. You know, is he a is he military police? I, I I didn't understand what the military structure was. Again, it doesn't really matter, but it it didn't make a lot of sense to me. What doesn't make? And again, you've already you just pointed it out. It certainly doesn't make sense how he's destroying these these gladiators as we get you know further through the the movie. But he's overpowered by just three three regular guys. Yeah, throw the, throw those guys into the game zone. Yeah, apparently, yeah, apparently they don't need Captain Freedom. They just need the guys that were on the <laughs> chopper with them. Well, to, to to answer your question, or to sort of, to, I guess this is an implicit answer. But since the crawl does say it's a police state, I have to assume that's just what the police is in this world. Of the, they fly around helicopters and shoot rioters from a helicopter. Uh, apparently so. But uh, yet he's really shocked. He like can't believe that these are his orders. Yes. Like, doesn't he know what kind of a doesn't police? he know who he works for? Right. I mean, <laughs> right. You know, I can understand RoboCop doesn't know what OCP is, right? But it would seem like he's somewhat of an important. He's he's the pilot, so it would it would seem that he's ascended to some level of um, uh, success within this police state. 
Yeah, and uh, you'd, you'd think you'd need to be, you'd need to like play their game and like basically prove your your evilness. Yes, how you know, <laughs> you know? A, you'd have to prove that you were in line with the evil empire. That you know your um, your philosophy was aligned. I guess. Yeah. I gotta, and, so, and the other thing I, I've always, what I don't understand is how they ever had video up in the helicopter. That's what never made sense to me. They had this video, right? Like the perfect filmed footage. Yes, the of, perfect filmed footage that they then have both for broadcasting the running man. And all. I'm like, what, where, are the, where are those cameras? It doesn't make any sense to me. And they have perfect angles of him, too. Yeah, that doesn't bother me so much. It, that happened so much in movies back then where someone would be like, look at the security monitor. And then it's just like footage from the movie like from 10 minutes before. It's yeah. just literally the same footage they shot for the movie. Uh, so that doesn't bother me, and also it's the future, and like they probably have cameras everywhere, and like I just kind of, I, I just kind of figure it's a camera on the door, just it's just filming him, and it has amazing film quality footage, even though there's so many like CRTs and things like yeah, ob- obviously again made in '87, it's like they they weren't going to try to predict the future in this movie. So then we uh, you know move move forward, and he's now now imprisoned in uh, I, I guess a work camp. I I really couldn't figure. Figure out what exactly what work they were doing. It, yeah. it was basically really confusing, and I'm sure the only reason it existed is his, he needed to escape from something. Uh, but what I did love, and I don't want to miss, is I love from these '80s Arnold movies. They go out of their way to have him carrying something in almost <laughs> yes. every movie. That just you know, it might have been the real steel beam too. Knowing Arnold Schwarzenegger, it probably wasn't fake. I just love, because when we get to Commando, it's one of my favorite parts of Commando is the opening credits, him carrying a giant log. Here, he's carrying a giant steel girder, and I can't figure out why. It doesn't look like they're building anything at this place. <laughs> That's it per- just doesn't make any sense. That didn't occur to me, the fact that, like, yeah, you're right, they're not built. Why do they need this girder? <laughs> this movie is written by Stephen E. D'Souza, just like Commando was, and I wonder if it was just him That's- throwing in a running gag. But, man, it just made me wish... Because are there any other movies, Arnold movies, where he carries a big thing over his shoulder? Because I wish that became like a running thing a running with all thing his movies. Him, you know, just just increasingly. Because obviously, a steel girder is heavier than a log. Yes. So like I, every movie, I wanted him to have like a bigger, just like a truck, and you know, yes, just like that he's walking around like carrying Optimus Prime. Right, just more and more preposterous every movie to the point where they couldn't, they had to give up because there's just nothing left. They couldn't top it. Right, exactly. Um, I wanted I, like three more movies of this. That's when we when we make our way through, we'll have to see if there are any others. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't uh, but so it either. is disappointing because it, it is uh, every time I see it, it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> just the absurdity of it. And this time through, as I said, I'm like, this one makes even less sense. Like in Commando, all right, you know, he's cutting down trees. He needs firewood. They kind of put it in perspective. This one, they're not building anything. I don't know what they're doing in this work camp, but they don't need steel girders. And from a filmmaking point of view, it makes me wish this was his introduction. We talked a lot about Arnold's introduction in Last Action Hero. And, yes. And, you know, that, it's important how characters are introduced. This would have been a cool introduction. I mean, is that his introduction in Commando, or there's more before no, that? No, that's the opening credits. That's the first no, it time is. you that, see him. That's, that's what I love about it. And I, you know what? Thinking about it, you're right, because they easily could have shown, uh, done a flashback to the helicopter and opened with him in the, in the prison, which I think, you're right, would have been a better opening, like Commando, where he's just carrying this giant girder. It would, yeah, it would have been a better introduction, and I think it would have improved the movie, because I... I think one of the flaws of this movie is you know from the beginning that he's innocent. Because like, the other characters don't really know. And no, that, that's true. They tr- we- and I think they trust him a little too quickly. But regardless, you know, the audience shouldn't be sure about him. I think this movie would be more interesting if we were like, well, did he do that? Did he kill 80 people? And, you know, right. Uh, is he really the butcher of Bakersfield? Yeah, because we see that footage three times. We see it at the beginning when yes. we're actually just watching it happen. 
in front of our eyes. And then we see the edited version that they show before he goes into the game grid. And then they show it a, the, a third time, the unedited version that, that the that Resistance right. like, broadcasts. Like, that's one too many times. It'd be better if we learn at the end of the movie, along with everybody in the world, in that world, that he's actually... Oh, he's, he's innocent, right. you know? And that way, you know, some of the stuff that he does in this movie, and I guess we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit, but he, he, they seem like they're po- trying to portray him as this kind of uh, anti-hero almost, where he doesn't want to be involved in the resistance, and like, ah, you guys can shove it with your resistance. I'm, I'm into survival and all this stuff. Yes. And he like, threatens Maria Cachino Alonso with physical violence on multiple occasions. Like, he doesn't seem like a nice man, but at the same time, right from the beginning, we're seeing, like, no, he's an he's upstanding innocent. guy. Yeah, you know what? Now that you've kind of gone through it, it would make more sense, especially the physical violence that he kind of threatens. All of that would have been far more believable if you know that if you didn't see in the first ten seconds that he's in, that he's innocent throughout that entire uh, the first three quarters of the movie. That would have been far more believable. You probably would have thought the whole time that he that he actually did what they they show in the footage in the lead into the Running Man that that you know he's. He's a pleased to be, you know, mowing down these innocent people looking for food. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's get into this prison break because this is where you're right that there aren't a lot of uh, deaths in this movie, but the bulk of them happen in this scene and in the last scene. So we may as well just go through this prison break and just knock all these <laughs> these deaths out because uh, I've got my list here. But uh, the first thing is they introduce Weiss and uh, Lachlan, right? Which is yes. Uh, Yafet Kodo as Laughlin and some other guy as Weiss. Some yes. other guy. The uh, brainy guy. Right, exactly. Gotta have all the, the archetypes or stereotypes, and I think they cover just about all the bases in this movie, and, and he's covered. Yeah. And poor Yafet Kodo. Like, I don't know, like, he doesn't look like he's in great shape in this movie. Is it me? No, it, uh, I agree. <laughs> he, only, it was only, it's only been eight years since Alien. Yeah, he, he looked like he was dragging. Yeah, and the, and this is a movie where he has to wear, like, a skin tight, like yes. a lycra suit i just i just feel i felt bad from from like one of the coolest bond villains to a really cool like character in alien to this it's just oh, i don't like that trajectory i like yafet koto and i was just like oh poor guy yes. he's in this movie and he's playing second fiddle to arnold at least he could be cool no he's just no he does he, he just gets get to play much. some schmo he does kill a couple of guys in this prison break yes so uh, so why, why don't you take us through the uh the 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 body count in the prison break. Cause that, that, I mean, the whole scene is basically, Hey, we need to see that he joins, he breaks out and he joins up with these guys. I mean, that, that's the whole point of it. Okay. So yeah, the first, the first body count is just an exhausted prisoner in a wheelbarrow, which I guess he just died from exhaustion. They just overworked him. And then, uh, what happens? Weiss steals the code. He just, he over basically looks, looks over somebody's shoulder. It's really airtight security there. <laughs> right. And he's like standing two feet from the guy too. It's like two feet from the guy. Even... I'm not sure why, why if, if they have these collars that if they try and escape, their heads explode. Why do the guards need to be so heavily armed? I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. It would seem that you could use non-lethal, you know, have non-lethal um, measures that couldn't be turned against you. Right. And still keep these guys in line, but I uh, understanding that then the prison break probably doesn't happen if they didn't have machine guns. And well, yeah, it's the machine guns that's that's that issue. They, yeah. I, I understand the armor, but right, 
They have perfect control over these guys. Yes, it, it doesn't make any sense. But well, then again, our you know the the podcast is bad puns and machine guns. So I guess if they didn't have them, <laughs> that's we, true. We'd be in a tough shape for this episode. That's true. They're, uh, in the game itself, in the Running Man game, there aren't a lot of machine guns. They got, no. we got to get our machine guns in. Yep, got to got to work them in. But yeah, they don't keep guns in prisons for this very reason. Uh, <laughs> for the most part, right? Well, they're 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 locked up in an armory and only. Only, they certainly are not walk. Prison guards are not walking around with machine guns. No, <laughs> okay. but in this prison, despite the fact of having collars that your head explodes, they're walking around with machine guns. Okay, I'm gonna plow through all these deaths. So that was number one: is the prisoner who died from exhaustion and, and gets put in a wheelbarrow. Then the prison break happens where they uh, they fake a fight. Arnold and Yafet uh, Koto yes. pretend to fight, and like I, I like that the like the way they start the prison break is all the prisoners just like jump. They just like. They just go like, yeah, and just leap on all the guards all at once. It's just, yes. This isn't much of a plan. I mean, it worked, but it's, uh, it's kind of funny how little to, there is to this plan. Better, better to be lucky than good. Okay, so prisoner shot, number two. Arnold lift pun, I wrote. This is the pun number one. So uh, it's, one of my, it's a great one. He says, need a lift? Or is that what he says? <laughs> yes. I, my puns are in a different place. Yes, it, I have it. Need a lift. Give you a lift. Is oh, give I you think. a lift. That's yes. right. I knew that was not quite right. Okay, prisoner shot, number four. Chico retaliates and shoots a catwalk guard, number five. Two prisoners die thanks to Arnold missing the mark, six and seven. So, yeah, this is, there's a guard on a catwalk. Walk. He's shooting. Arnold shoots at him, misses. That guard kills two prisoners, and then Arnold hits him. It's like, good job, Arnold. <laughs> Maybe he could have hit him a minute ago before he killed those two guys. Okay, f- Arnold finally hits the guy, number eight. Arnold shoots a guy trying to sneak up on him. Wait, I wrote ten. What am I doing? All my, oh, my whole count is off. I went right from 8 to 10. And I got to change all these numbers now. Uh, I'm you, awful at this. Why did I volunteer to do this? Or you could just add one. Or subtract one at subtract the end. Subtract one at the end. That's correct. Yeah, remind me to do that because I'm going to forget. I'll keep you honest. Attention to detail. Very important. Okay, I'm just going to read the numbers that I have written down because I'm going to forget. And just everyone out there listening, just subtract one from all of my numbers. Uh, okay, Arnold shoots a guy trying to sneak up on him. 10. Arnold shoots another catwalk guard while bitching about the codes. Eleven. Yafit Koto steals Arnold's kill because Arnold's about to shoot a guy. And Yafit Koto like jumps over like a wall and snaps his neck. And I was like, if that was like a video game, if that was Call of Duty, some 12-year-old would be furious about <laughs> Arnold is about to kill that guy and Yafit Koto jumps in and steals it. Uh, so that's 12. Slash, I'll, I'll just have to remember to subtract one. That's actually 11. Okay. Then everyone runs outside and there's more a gunfight. Once they get outside, Arnold does nothing. Did you notice that? Uh, he just hunkers down and is just like, hit the code, shoot those guys. He doesn't do a thing. Yes. <laughs> I, I did not notice it, but you're right, thinking back. He's, <laughs> he's just sitting back. He, he's, done his, he's done the heavy lifting. Okay. He's so, probably tired from carrying the girder as well. I mean, he's done a lot of work in, in, so far in this movie. He's like, ah, I've done enough. I yeah. killed like three guys inside, and yeah. I, I, I had a really clever pun. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm now, good. Now we'll let the rest of the guys clean up. All right, so the guards shoot a random guy climbing a ladder, 12. Chico shoots a guard. Yafet Koto shoots a guard. Uh, Chico shoots another guard. Guard is shot by apparently another guard. I think just the editing in this movie is not great. (laughs) The movie implies one guard shoots another guard. Who knows what happened there? Uh, And then uh, Chico loses his head in number 17. So let's pause for a moment (laughs) and talk about the idiot that is Chico. Yeah, that uh, I'm... What's he doing? I, I, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, the thing is clearly not down. Everyone's everyone's yelling, Chico, stop. He's just like, I'm going, and just goes. 
A, no one like lifts a finger to stop him. Someone could run after him. No one bothers. Maybe no one liked Chico, and they're just like, let's not really. Like, just, no, Chico, stop. Except for that one guy. That one guy was yeah. really upset. Yeah, Chico and him clearly were roomies or something. They, uh, <laughs> they had something going. Uh, prison bunkmates there. Apparently uh, so. Yeah, I, wonder, I feel like there's a whole movie with that, like, following that guy and getting revenge on Chico. <laughs> Because that, that, that's he, an interesting side story. Find out, yeah. Because he, he gets a lot of close-ups, and like the movie makes a big deal. Like that guy is really upset, and, and uh, we never no. learn his name. We don't know what the deal is. Nope. Uh, okay, and then after Chico loses his head, Yafakoto shoots one more guy, uh, and that's that. Then they all run away. Yep, and then they're off to uh, to meet the elderly. You you have to have the stock all the stock characters, and if there's going to be an underground resistance movement, has to be an old guy. <laughs> Yeah, and and uh, Mick played by Mick, Mick Fleetwood. By the way, we're at nineteen, just in case you're keeping track. That's nineteen deaths. Uh, no, eighteen. God damn it. Yeah, eighteen. Whatever. No one's really cares, but I care. It's important <laughs> to me. We'll uh, get we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, played by Mick Fleetwood of Fleetwood Mac fame. I'm not sure about. I didn't find anything on the casting, but I didn't look very hard. I don't understand why, but well, he's he's wearing old age makeup, and he's playing a character named Mick. Is that to imply that he's playing himself, Mick Fleetwood, in the future? I, I, it's very confusing. I didn't understand why that casting choice was made. I'm not sure it matters. He doesn't have a ton of screen time, so I, I don't think it matters. Well, it's the kind of thing that I wouldn't... I don't think this is true, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Mick Fleetwood was in the Running Man novel. Because that's just the kind of dumb thing that Stephen King would do. Well, that could be. That's interesting. I didn't look to, to find that out. Again, I don't think it's actually in the book, but... I wouldn't be surprised either. By the way, I missed a pun. This is, what, this is what happens when we're trying to plow through that very unremarkable fight sequence. Is I was just like, let's just get through it. And then I, see, I missed a pun where Arnold goes, shut down the deadline or we, or we all lose our heads. Ah, yes. All lose our heads. And then the reason why I remembered is because Mick says the exact same pun in this scene where he's like, be careful. You don't want to lose your head. It's like, you just used that pun, movie. If, hey, if it worked once, let's, let's try and really hammer home the point. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not counting it twice. That, Arnold gets credit for that pun. That's fair. Mick Fleetwood, you just copied Arnold's pun. The only thing I really took away from Mick Fleetwood was very interesting that uh, if you need to get rid of an explosive collar, if you just throw it down a pipe sitting, uh, sitting a few feet away, you'll be fine. I mean, it's not going to do any significant damage if you just uh, basically throw it down like the garbage disposal. Is that uh, in the underground? Is that a disposal or is that just a can? Like, are you saying it's just a garbage can? And yeah, it, it seemed like it was just like a garbage can. It didn't seem like it went anywhere. And somehow an explosive device, there's no shrapnel. I mean, there's, there's nothing. It was very, very convenient, I well, guess. Well, when we saw uh, Chico's head explode, it didn't seem like there was a lot of explosives in there. It's just enough. It's enough just to, enough to propel your head from its, your body. And that's really like... Apparently, all maybe, maybe you're right. But it still would seem like the garbage can wouldn't, wouldn't be enough to... Uh, Withhold that blast. Yeah. So at least for me, you know, there's not much here. It's kind of the same stuff uh, of of this this genre, or you know, hey, we we really need the uh, the hero to help us, and in this case, he's he's not interested. He just uh, he wants to disappear. Yeah, he's not interested in revolutions. He's into survival. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it seems only there to set up these guys for later. Yes. Which I don't think this movie needs this revolutionary plot. I mean, to a certain extent, it does, but. At the end of this movie, they haven't taken down the government. All they've done is discredit, yeah. discredit a TV channel. Yes. You know, so Arnold could have done that on his own. Like, and him and Maria you, Conchita you, Alonso. You probably could 
do away with most of that, and I don't think you're really losing all that much. Other than it has some other, you know, use inside the game that they're, you know, trying to find this information. Um, but I don't think it really matters because that's not really the fun stuff anyway. I mean, that's not really, you know, what, what I watch it for. I don't really care. Yeah, all that stuff about the uplink and getting the code to the uplink, like, it's all just a distraction from the, the thing you yes. want to see. So Although that- it is interesting. It's, it's amazing how I have the hardest time remembering my passwords that I have for just about every account. And then a, I think it's like a 16-digit alphanumeric code. It's pretty long. I don't know if it's, it's that long. It's like eight or something. Eight whatever or something. it is, it's a lot. And she has no problem whatsoever remembering it. But yeah. I guess we'll get there. She so, only has to remember for an hour or so. Yes. So Ben Richards, which uh, I, I do love that Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's he seems to only have Anglo names and right. just about everything he's in. Ben Richards is about as uh, non-ethnic as can be. So right. Yeah. Sort, sort of like Jack Slater, I think Ben Richards is a is a great name, and it, it very well could have been that's uh, that's the that probably was the character's name in the book, so it's not really fair to right. uh, to hold it against the the screenwriter here. But uh, I do find it kind of funny. So yeah, Ben yeah. makes his way, and he's going to look for his brother, which which I have. I would really like to know. I'd like to know what Ben Richards' brother looks like. Yeah, I don't know why we don't see him. Like, why even make it a thing? Right. I mean, it's really just an excuse to get him into. Uh, Amber, is that her character's I name? I believe, yes, Amber's apartment. They, they do a really bad job establishing her name. I think you learn it from her answering machine, where they're like struggling, and her answering machine yes. goes off and says, like, oh, it's Amber, but that's the only time you hear her name for like the first hour of the movie. Yes. Like it's, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Amber. Uh, yeah, it's, the, it's just an excuse to get him in her apartment. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, it's my brother's apartment. But he doesn't, yeah, he learns he was taken off to re-education. No interest in finding no. out. He's not dead. He's, he's not dead. He's being re-educated, which is that's I guess just another way of uh, giving you ooh, you know this this totalitarian government is is evil. But you'd think, wouldn't he then be more interested in the resistance if his you know his his brother that he's gone to look for he he doesn't seem to care. I guess he really is just about his own personal preservation. Yeah, he really isn't a survival. He doesn't even care about his brothers. Right. Just, even if he didn't join the resistance to help save his brother, you'd look, you'd at least think he would try to do something on his own. It's like, nope, I'm off to Hawaii. You're right. <laughs> Screw you, brother. I, yes. I, he doesn't care at all. Just, so, I mean, there, there are a couple of things that I think are in the, in the fun genre. As I said, it does have one of my favorite Arnold lines, you, you must be very proud of yourself. <laughs> well, we skipped over a couple of scenes. That I, I mean, for, first of all, we skipped over the truck where you like, they'll, yeah, Weiss he, and McLaughlin, uh, they like, arrange a truck for him to get out of town or whatever. Yes. Well, I don't know if they arranged the truck, but it, it seemed like it was actually kind of eerie uh, of like, a bunch of like migrant workers that appear to be on on that truck that he was he was hopping on. Um, yeah, at he, least to me, that's what it seemed like. He makes a crack about it. He's just like, "Oh, I'm traveling in style," or something. He says something like that. Yeah, yeah. He also makes a joke. I, I actually, thought, I, it made me laugh this time. Where he goes, "See you at the ten year prison reunion." <laughs> I thought that was terrible. <laughs> that's a fun. No, I think that's a funny joke. That's genuinely like Ben Richards made a funny joke. Okay. It's not even the movie making a joke. It's just like you know he's trying to be funny and succeeding. Right? That, I think that, that's actually okay. Pretty that funny. that that may be true. And then also we cannot skip over the introduction of Killian, which you accidentally did. Oh, did that, I? that happens before the the apartment. I uh, I I apologize. I did not mean to do that. I mean, it's you know, this movie is not like it's. That stuff and the stuff at the apartment basically like f- go back and forth in like random like there's really no there's no transition f- yeah there's not a lot of flow to this movie in yeah. a lot of cases so it's, it's understandable it, like who knows what scene comes after what and situations like that but yeah Killian drives up in the chintziest limo you've ever seen oh so the, I, I did forget 
that the yeah the limo is very very much of its time, and uh, I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's a a, a Fiero that's been like two Fieros put together. I don't yeah, know what it is, but it's like it a is stretch Mazda. Or something. Yeah, it's like a stretch Mazda, and it's trying. It's this movie's idea of trying to be ultra modern, and it just looks terrible. And then they do have the you know, and I think Richard Dawson. He's probably the reason to watch, you know, this movie. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, his introduction is very, very, I think, clunky in terms of it's just so cliche of the, you know, the guy comes in and some underling, you know, does does something inappropriately. And he's very nice to him at, you know, at first. And then when nobody else is looking, he's he's such an evil bastard. Although yeah. I have read that the real Richard Dawson, I guess, apparently was like that. So there's... <laughs> There's some irony to it, even though this is not a movie that is like Last Action Hero in the age of irony. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't like that introduction in terms of it. Just, it's too. It was a little too cliche to me, and it's been maybe not done too many times when this movie was made. But it just feels like that. That that's always how you you make the the. The celebrity, you know, you show how he's a bad guy. And it's not always a celebrity either. Sometimes it's the CEO, whatever it is. It it it's just yeah. done too often. Yeah, I see where you're coming from, but I, I don't mind the scene. I, you know, it's I, th- I think Richard Dawson is having so much fun in this movie. For those uh, listening who maybe aren't, I don't know how well known he would be outside of America, but you know, because I don't know if the Match Game or or Family Feud, if any of those like. If what we got here ever made it to other countries, but he was in Hogan's Heroes, and then he kind of became this like game show raconteur on the Match Game. Yep, and then transitioned to being a game show host on Family Feud, and was kind of known for being even on screen, kind of like a slimy guy, right? Like, oh yeah, I mean he he <laughs> he's what the the basis is of like the inappropriate kisses on Family Feud. I mean it's it's Richard Dawson that yeah. that's who it is. But like yeah, just. Like talk about a role made for somebody. Like, he started as an actor. He's basically playing himself. Yes. He yeah, there are definitely those like the stories of him kind of being like this in real life. And yet he doesn't seem to have any kind of like self-consciousness. Like you'd think someone who's actually like this and who knows if that's actually true. Like you don't it know. could be disgruntled employees or who knows. Yeah. Uh but you would think someone who's actually like this would be concerned about, like, I don't want people to see... To see you, me that way. Yeah, the people who are genuinely bad are concerned about looking that way, where someone who like, who is comfortable with their own self-image be like, yeah, I'll play a bad, an evil version of myself, sure. Like, because people know that I'm not like that. So it's interesting that even though there was this perception that he's kind of a, a, a son of a bitch, he's still willing to... Plays, plays it... Just the way it is. Yeah. To, to, he plays exactly that. And basically playing himself and does not, like, there's no hesitation in this performance. He's no. just he's just going for it and it's great. Yep. No, and he, it's definitely what makes it, um, what makes the movie is, you know, if you, if you take Richard Dawson out, maybe you find somebody else that can do it, but I'm not sure. That's, that's the reason to watch it. I mean, I literally cannot imagine anybody else yeah. in this role. It's, it's so custom made. And I think because he hadn't acted in so long... And it's like, you know... He was expanding out or kind of getting getting back into... Right, so he had those pent-up, like, acting energy. Yes. Just like, I'm going to get in there and play myself and... I'm going to knock it out of the park. But I agree with you 100%. He's the reason to watch this movie. And as cheesy as a lot of it is, his stuff, especially this, like the behind-the-scenes where he's just sitting around with his team and, yep. 
and discussing just, the ratings or whatever. It feels so real, and I wonder if some of that was, was ad libbed by him, or just some of it came from his real experience. Like the stuff where he's talking about like who picked out the color of the suits. And yes, <laughs> so much of that feels drawn from real life, from his real life, probably. And it's a it's it's a great contrast to the comic book game going on. Yes, and what you see like actually on screen. But so we get to the apartment. There are there are a couple of things that are fun, at, at least for me. What doesn't make sense is why if you have in this totalitarian society if you have contraband why you would just have it in a moving box in particular that you've got a wad of cash just bound up and sitting in a box which Arnold was or Ben Richards was very excited to find yeah she she does a very lousy job hiding that contraband yes. uh, it, it, it made no sense to me like many other things uh, in it but you also then get the introduction of Captain Freedom yes. and, and that workout again if, there, if there's something to watch it's Jesse the Body Ventura as Captain Freedom, particularly in this vi- in the video, the, the workout video. Oh my god, it's so funny! It's what, maybe the funniest thing in this movie. It, it probably is. I would play a clip if it wasn't so visual, but it was like, it. But the the funny thing is about this workout video is it's just like rows of like it's maybe like eight women behind him in like leotards and very eighties leotards yes. and very eighties hair, yes, looking like a Jane Fonda workout video, except in front of them. Is Captain Freedom Jesse played by Jesse Ventura, just posing? He's not. He's not exercising. No, he's not leading them in a workout. So, right. He's not actually doing the workout. He's just there flexing occasionally and making noises, just like Hah! just making noises and just <laughs> fantastic. And there's the voice. the voiceover is the one being like, "Work out. Try, yes. try harder." He's, Give, he's, giving his motivational speeches. That that that's all he does. Oh my god! It's the it's so funny. One thing before we move on, because they're about to, after this, they go to the airport and he tries to escape to Hawaii using her travel card or whatever. Yes. Uh, but in the scene with Richard Dawson where he comes up and he kind of meets with his team, Kurt Fuller, the guy from Ghostbusters 2, the mayor's aide. Oh, yes. Yes. This is his first movie. I did not know that. And very that's interesting. Very surprising to me because, like, that guy, it's a guy you see, I mean, even if. In a lot of stuff. Yeah, even if you don't know the name, it's like, you, he's in so much, he's, he's in Wayne's World as kind of right. a villain. The, the, and, yeah, the, the second. Uh, he's not the main villain, but he 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 works alongside um, for Noah's arcade or whatever. Yes. Yeah, he he like becomes their pal. Yeah, and and kind of he hangs out in the van with them at the end and all yeah. that. Yeah, no, it's you, that guy. You know, you you know who he is even if you're not a huge movie fan. Yeah, but I mean, this is his first movie, which I I, I think of that guy as like you think of like the classic '80s slime ball. He's the guy, and this is '87. I would have sworn I've seen him in other oh, stuff before that, before this. But no, yeah. this is his first movie. Also, he's great as the. Is one of the only good things about the movie No Holds Barred. Oh. Have you seen No Holds Barred? Yes, <laughs> he's the villain in that. He's, I mean, he's really having some fun in that. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so that this is where they go to the airport and they. Like, yeah, well, I'm, you know what? The, here's the, here's the only other thing I'll point out because I I'm, I was looking through the other thing I didn't understand is you know I. I I don't know. Maybe there are women out there who work out in lingerie, but I was very, very <laughs> confused. As one, I mean, the, le- the very 80s leotard is not very forward thinking about what fashion would look like in 2017. But apparently in 2017, women work out in lingerie, which I, I'm sure is every, you know, 12 year old boy's idea of how women are working out. I'm pretty sure that's not the case. I mean, that's in the movie for the same reason that the women in Last Action Hero with the rearview mirrors are yes. 
You know, it's like, <laughs> let's just get some TNA in here. I had that note, and I just like, what, should I stop? How much minutia do we want? Because we went so long that, in that no, section I, here. You're right. But, yeah, that minutia is worth mentioning. It's worth mentioning. It, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. I also wrote down, because the, the Killian goes through like all the different like candidates for the show. And they all have like that shows what they were convicted of and stuff like that, and I wrote it all down, but it's probably not worth. Let me just let me just get the highlights. Yeah, give, give me a couple of highlights. I figured you'd go through that. I didn't. <laughs> other than Babyface, because they pause on it, is the only one that I saw, and it's a literal baby. Yes, that's what. I, and I found funny that it was literally a baby. It's like how did how did he, the baby commit these crimes? <laughs> uh, let me just find the highlights here, because yeah, John Doe was convicted of unauthorized outdoor activities, which is very vague. <laughs> yes. Jason J-Man Argo, uh, convicted of international espionage. It looks like hobbies and stuff. Spike McKenzie, hobby of collecting antique phones, comma, guns. <laughs> so are they antique guns or they just collect guns? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, that's, that's, it's not clear. Uh, Brad Pepsi Yamamoto, who has hobbies of, he has a morbid interest in intellectual games, i.e. chess. Oh. That's a pretty funny detail for like a, a <laughs> yes. totalitarian state. Yeah. Uh, and then one guy has an occupation of collective framer. What in the world is that? I <laughs> want to know who took the time to type all that stuff out and get it up on screen. A lot of them are duplicates. So they'll have a different name and face, but it'll have the same, same list of bio like, or occupa- Yeah, exactly. So it's not really worth digging into. I, I wrote the whole thing down just in case we wanted to go through. I also wrote down all like, the computer system that Arnold... He's hitting the buttons, but none, the things that are happening on screen are, like, do not remotely... <laughs> match what his fingers are what doing. What he's typing. But the things on the screen actually make sense. I, I, I paused it and I looked at him and I was like, oh, that actually makes sense as a, as a computer system. It'll have like back to the menu. It has like all, like all the menus you would expect. It's not, it wasn't just slapdash put together, which there's one later in the movie. There's a thing on the screen later in the movie that's very slapdash. All right. Let's, we'll get to it later. This, this is why I'm here. I'm here to count kills. I'm here to count puns. And I'm here to pause the movie and write down text that appears on the screen. The important stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> yes, we, very important. We, we get to the, his attempted escape uh, at the airport. I, I didn't understand in, you know, today we have Homeland Security where, you know, with my driver's license, I can't seem to board an airplane. But... Right. In, in this totalitarian state, you know, some people may argue that Homeland Security in the United States is a totalitarian state, but somehow anybody's travel pass will work just fine. And if you just say, oh, uh, I can't seem to find it in my wife's purse, that'll get you just go on through. I got too long of a line here. Well, let me ask you this, because this is a good time. As, this is as good a time as I need to bring it up. I feel like this movie, I can't decide if this movie is, is satirizing like the sexism in this world or if it's actually sexist. Do you think the scene is the movie kind of going like, well, she's a woman. So she obviously the guard won't think that she's a threat. Like I kind of get the sense. That's what this scene is. of just like, I mean, I the guards because he, he shows her pass as his own pass. Right. And then goes like, Oh, we can't find hers. And the guard goes, whatever. Like I, I get the sense that the movie is saying this guard isn't, doesn't consider her a threat. That that's kind of how I take it. And I think it's probably, you know, the genre and the time. Well, there's the stuff later, which makes me think maybe it's actually, it's a, a is, Yeah. Because when she gets captured and they put her in the game zone, as opposed to everyone else who has actual crimes, her stuff is just like, <laughs> she slept with three men in one year. And you know, like she flaunts, you know, traditional morals. And <laughs> she's like, Everyone else has actual crimes, and for her, it's just like, uh, you know, it's just slut-shaming. Yes, I was going to say, it's, you know, I, I, I took it as it's just further, you know, kind of sexism, is that that's, that's what her crimes are. But that feels more satirical. That feels like of the movie actually trying to make a point 
But maybe. maybe. With, I, but with all the stuff with Arnold threatening her all the time, in this scene where at the airport, he threatens to break her neck like a chicken's. Yes. And the movie has, like doesn't seem to... Skip a beat. Yeah. It's just like, oh, of course he does. Of course he's going to threaten to snap her neck like a chicken's. It's yeah. just like, I'm not sure. I, I, can't, I can't really figure out where, what where it, on that spectrum... Intentions. Yeah. I guess, I guess it's worth just giving the movie the benefit of the doubt. I mean, there's no question that there are, some of it is satirical. But I don't know if all of it is. <laughs> it's hard to say. Uh, yeah, so, and it was made in the eighties, so you know. So, so they eventually uh, they make their way through sexist, uh, sexist or not, <laughs> right. make their way through. Uh, the the only <laughs> thing that I I know is that when uh, when when they're finally on that it's it's onto that it's Ben Richards who they've been looking for. What I don't understand is when he takes off running. Why does he run in a straight line? I don't. He doesn't try and zigzag at all. I mean, he just runs in a straight line. He thinks he can outrun that truck. He's like, I'm Ben Richards. I'm, I'm, I'm Ben Richards. I can carry steel girders and outrun trucks. I mean, he's on a tarmac. What's he going to do? He's screwed. I, the whole, that's the thing. The whole thing didn't make sense. He's on the tarmac, and he runs in a straight line, but whatever. Again, you just needed to get to a place which is he needs to be captured because they need Ben Richards on The Running Man. Yeah, and I just want to mention really briefly the, all the, the Hawaiian shirt jokes. Which I actually think were pretty, also pretty funny. All right, I, I will admit that it. I, I think um, Amber says that she uh, she gets sick or something on flights, and I believe the line is, "It can't make this shirt possibly any worse." Or yeah, something he's like, he's like, "Go ahead, it won't show up on this shirt." That's what it is. It won't show up on this shirt. That I do think is a legitimately good joke. Well, but they're they're still going back to that well, like way way later in the movie. When they're in the game, and she's going like, "Oh, we, I should have just, I shouldn't have turned you in. I should have just gone to Hawaii with you." And he goes, I had the shirt for it, but you effed it up. <laughs> yes. It's like 20 minutes before the end of the movie. He's, they're still making Hawaiian shirt jokes. So they've now, uh, unless, unless we missed anything, they've, they've captured Ben Richards, and now we can start, I guess, the real movie, if you will. You've gotten it to where, uh, where it needs to go. Yeah, so this is where uh, Richards and Killian meet yes. through the glass uh, partition. And this is, yeah, this is what I was saying earlier about why does he... So first of all, Richards has to volunteer, which I don't understand... Why or what the rules are? Because they talk earlier about oh he's a mil- military prisoner, so I guess he wasn't police in that case. Because they say he's a military prisoner. Yes. Uh, again, no, his the the whole law enforcement system I don't understand. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Somebody smarter than me can explain it. But the movie tells us he has to volunteer. Yes. And Killian threatens. He says, "Oh, if you don't volunteer, we'll send Weiss and Lachlan in your place, and they're your friends, and they have you know, they they have no chance to make it." Uh, so he volunteers. It's like that's the kind of thing. The movie doesn't really convince us. At least it didn't convince me that he has enough fondness for those guys that he would like take the bullet for right. them. Right, he swap spots. And what doesn't make sense is okay. Let's say military prisoners are treated differently, which in you know the United States there are you know military courts, so it so it is different. But why was he in the same work camp building things with steel girders that don't make any sense? None of it makes any sense. Maybe it doesn't need to. But you know what? These things that we're pointing out that don't make sense, that's what makes it fun. I mean, that's, that's what makes it of this kind of vintage action movie that sometimes there were things that just don't make any sense and you have to just laugh at. It's almost like the writers didn't think this world through very well. It, it's amazing, right? <laughs> so, you're, yes, he somehow uh, has determined that these characters that he barely showed any interest in for the first 20 minutes or so of the movie, he's going to put his life at risk because at least I'm led to believe, as we get later in the movie, 
that the gladiators, the 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 stalkers, excuse me, I, yes. this probably was the inspiration for American gladiators. <laughs> I have some notes about American yes. gladiators for the sure. The stalkers, I'm led to believe they don't lose, right? And it probably makes sense that they don't lose. I know they'll, they'll, you'll get the setup of uh, that they there are some survivors. Yeah, what's, but, what but generally they don't lose, and they win the overwhelming majority of the time. And if they win, that means you're dead. So. These guys that he barely has any interest in, he's willing to effectively commit suicide for. Right, exactly. It's, it's, it's presumed that there's, you have almost no chance to survive this game. Uh, but of course, Killian just double-crosses him and puts them in the game anyway. Puts them in the game anyway. Which is a great villain move. Like, yes. I, that's, that is a little cliche also, but I think that works for me. It's just like <laughs> the whole deal that he made, the only reason why Richards is in this game... Killian just a hundred percent, hundred percent, completely guilt-free. Guess what? I don't care what we agreed on. I'm I'm just gonna go back on it. Uh, I, I like that a lot. Yep. And so they, you get a little bit of a scene of you know future technology. They put a bunch of tracking devices and whatever other stuff, which never is really all that well explained, as I you know kind of remember. Tracking uh, devices. Which, yeah, they I mean, they shoot them up. They inject them with something, and I'm pretty sure they put a track. I think they put some sort of tracking device in them. Um, it certainly would only make sense because I'm not sure. I don't think they could have camera coverage everywhere to uh, to keep track and make sure that they're steering him, you know, to the right places for for the stalkers to to do their thing. Yeah, either know, way, you don't, don't get a lot of explanation of what's going on in that chair, <laughs> right? I mean, they definitely inject him with stuff. I don't. I didn't pick up on the fact if they're injecting him with a tracking device. I mean, well, it, could, it would make sense, but I just I missed that. If that's yeah, the case. and it, I, I I vaguely remember, and I should have taken some notes that they, you know, I don't know if they want to make sure he doesn't he doesn't have diseases or something, which I found kind of funny because they're doing all this stuff, but they're effectively sending him that he's only supposed to survive like another few hours or whatever. So what does it matter? Why are you doing all this work on him him anyway? It shouldn't matter. It's probably to protect the stalkers more than to protect him. Just like, make sure he doesn't have anything contagious that the stalkers can catch. Maybe. They're valuable property. Yes, they are valuable property. So you you effectively get through that. He he gets gassed just before showtime. (laughs) Right. I want to pause on this gas scene. Because, you know, I, I, I like movie music. I, you know, I'm probably going to be talking about the score in every episode at some point or another. This one is by Harold Faltermeyer. And if you don't know that name... I don't. You made a reference to a piece of his music in our episode zero. He wrote the Axel Foley Beverly Hills Cop. I did not know that. And he wrote that. He wrote the Top Gun score. And he wrote this, and maybe one or two more, I forget. But nothing, those were definitely the most noteworthy things it, it they worked cer- on. Yeah, it certainly makes sense, because it definitely has that feel um, yeah, to it's, it. It's a synth score. I like, I like synthesized movie, movie scores, but this one is so repetitive. And the reason why I'm bringing it up in this gas scene is because it plays that music. There's like the, it's basically just like a scale. It just goes... How many times do you think this movie plays that music? Have you counted it? I should have. I didn't. I, honestly, it, it didn't even occur it to does, me. It does. I do. That you're bringing it up. It does feel like a lot. And, and just like every circumstance is completely different and not matching. He's getting gassed. Okay. Oh, uh, Yafet Koto's dying. Da-da-da-da-da. Oh, he's getting his revenge on Killian and putting him in the tube. Da-da-da-da-da. Fire it up again. It's just every situation. There's that music, and then there's like the one that sounds like a car alarm. Yes. That's it. Like that's the that's whole. It's a good reproduction of it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, well, I mean, I heard them so many times. I could. Right. I, I have it down pat. But basically, the whole whole movie is just those two pieces of music, alternated over and over and over. It was a very economical score. Maybe, maybe that's where they had to to save money on this one. Maybe, but it made me realize in hindsight, 
That's true in Beverly Hills Cop also. Every scene. Do, 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 okay, and then he goes, does the thing. Okay, now he's on to the next scene. Do, do, do. Every scene starts. That, and that is very true. Think back on it. And it's like, oh my God, this, this guy just does this. Yep. It's like, I did. I wrote my one, two pieces of music. Give just me my check. In, right, give me my check and insert it in how many of her scenes that you need music in. Yeah, at least Top Gun, because he did Top Gun. Uh, at least that has like Kenny Loggins songs to break up the monotony. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I just had to vent about that because, man... That, that's fair. That's it's, fair. I, 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 bad movie scores really jump take out away. at me. And, and, and a good one significantly enhances the movie. One of these days we'll have to do a special episode where I can rant about Ghostbusters 2 and how much I hate that score. We'll that one there. is special. Like I have so much hatred for that <laughs> score. Elmer Bernstein's first, the Ghostbusters 1, his score was so good and they got some other jerk. And, and oh, like many other things in Ghostbusters 2, it was not good. So then we're, we're actually in the game of the running man. We're, we're now ready to send... Uh, Killian has double-crossed him. He's, he's going to send his uh, new friends, as far as I'm concerned, into the game with him. I think somewhere in here you start to you know, see kind of the, the 80s crowd, which is kind of interesting <laughs> and fun. You yeah. get the, the out on the street, which is what I love, which has to be the worst sports book i've ever seen in my life it's so disorganized and also, oh it's it's I, uh, to me that watching this being somewhat of a gambler the sports book is the best it's just nonsensical garbage the entire time I had a the betting that. lines they set make zero sense <laughs> right. tracking of the money how things get paid out it's probably now my favorite part of this movie is the 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 outside you know the gritty this is all oh, the streets are tough they love gambling on this stuff, but it doesn't make any sense. Those guys are the two worst bookies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I had a feeling you were, you'd bring that up, so I didn't even bother. Like, Yes, no. But and this, yeah, the, this is only the very beginning. As we get a little bit further in, in particular when Richard starts winning, they're 1,000-to-1 odds. I'll just say it now. Putting 1,000-to-1 odds on a guy who... You, he's got a track record at that He already point. has a, tra- a very well-established track record of killing where I'm led to believe that nobody's ever killed a stalker before he's not only called killed one he's killed two and incapacitated another one right and you're putting like a thousand to one odds on him it's crazy but anyway we we get the we get the sense of the crowd this is a live studio audience that's there with killian as he's pumping up the crowd well before we get into the game itself there's a scene back at uh, amber's apartment where she's watching tv and she learns the truth about it's like or she she, they they show the news story of just like they show they say the airport yep uh, injured but didn't kill anybody. Yes. So no no death count, nothing added to the death count there. I assume they actually like the government actually went through and injured two people. They like sent some kind of hit, like agent to be like, okay. E- either that or I assume they had some people. stock footage of somebody else that had been injured at the airport previously. That could be, but the reason the only reason I'm bringing up that scene cuz I mean it's an important scene for her cuz it's what her, makes her realize that it was it's what makes her start digging into the truth. Yes. But the only only reason I care about that scene is because it has, first of all, it has the setup for the cadre cola. It hits the spot. It hits the spot at the end, which this movie does a terrible job setting this stuff up. Because when Killian meets uh, uh, Richards, uh, Killian's like, "Hi there, cutie pie. One of us is in big trouble. One of us is in big trouble." That's and right. And Arnold brings it back at the end. It took me three or four viewings before I even noticed that the symmetry or whatever. Is yeah. That Arnold's it. turning a back on him at the end because like an hour and 10 minutes passes between one and the other. Yes. And I don't, this movie does not underline those things at all. It, it hits the spot. The hello cutie pilot. It's just like, by the time it actually pays off, we've forgotten the first part of it. And anyway, but the other part of the scene in Amber's apartment is climbing for dollars. 
Uh, yes. We must at least mention Climbing for Dollars, even if we have nothing to say about it. Climbing for Dollars <laughs> is great. And, and, and in some ways, I, maybe the movie isn't ahead of its time, but, you know, there, and there is a, on the DVD version I watched, there's, um, the special, special edition has a couple of, you know, 20 minute documentaries that are attached. One of them is about reality TV. Now the DVD came out in 2003. And at that time they were predicting how, you know, reality TV was the, the it was the beginning of the end for, you know, traditional drama, which now looking back in, um, 2015, Drama has had a significant resurgence, so uh, the, yeah. the, the the death was premature. But climbing for dollars was compared to on that fear factor. They're right. I mean, they're other than <laughs> you know the grave grave danger. Fear factor is basically climbing for dollars. So I, I do give you know the movie makers credit that that was a little bit ahead of its time. We haven't gotten to the Running Man, although we've had you know things that there are races. There there isn't you know that lives aren't at stake. And Survivor, in some ways, is sort of like the Running Man. So. I, I do give him credit. Climbing for dollars is great, and it, it, it's it, a funny image to me. It, it's a funny image, and but where I think it would have, it would be great. That, that it felt like to me, and I know that the, these came out around the same time. It felt like something that should be in RoboCop. I, I know that you know they're different production companies. That felt like something that would be in the RoboCop world. Yeah, it definitely fits with that world. It's, it's like looking at that, looking at Climbing for Dollars. It's like, well, how does that compete with The Running Man? Yeah. Like compared to the Running Man, that's not an interesting show. Who would watch that if if the Running well, the, Man? Well, the Running Man is the lead in. They they have a lead in for climbing for dollars. They're trying to build the audience for that. Is is what I think maybe it is. But it's like the contestants in the Running Man are being hunted by human beings across whatever how many square blocks, fighting but, with weapons. Climbing for dollars is a rope and some dogs, and some cash. <laughs> it's like well, I assume that maybe it wasn't always dogs though. I have a feeling that they're you know oh, sort of like maybe American Ninja Warrior. They they change it up maybe a little bit in the you know it's, it, maybe it's a, a vat of acid, real acid. Well, it has, um, to, it has to be climbing involved. But yes, yeah, there seems... has to be climbing. But I, I envision that there's more things than just the dogs. But okay. thank you. For, I, you're right. The, the chronology. Thank you for pointing that out. Because there's other things I skipped over, like Hate Boat, which was just a poster in the background in Killian's office. I love the concept of Hate Boat. But there's also Pain American style. Yes. It's weird. I'm kind of interested in both of those shows, actually. But those shows are, are spoofs of 70. Like Neither one of those shows had been on. Like what weird references for a movie made in eighty seven? The but what a the only thing I read is that I believe that uh, Richard Dawson had been on Love Boat, so I wondered if oh maybe, yeah, maybe if maybe both of those were shows he had been on. It doesn't really matter. It makes sense. Um, so yes, Amber's apartment. She becomes kind of a little more suspicious. More to come on that later. But now we're really getting into what it is. The game is supposed to start. Yeah, and then we meet uh, Killian's number one fan, Mrs. McArdle. Yes, was this kind of a thing as big of a cliche like the the like swearing the pie mouth old lady yeah violence loving granny like yes was this still fresh then or was it was this old hat even in 87 i i think this may have been maybe a little fresh but it certainly got played out pretty quickly and and, and may even still be used today yeah i mean she she's kind of funny i, I don't she, yeah she, I, she doesn't she doesn't seem out of place and it, it doesn't it doesn't take anything away from from what it is yeah uh so yeah this is where uh they show the footage of the Altered re-edited footage. footage. Yes. First of all, I want to. I, I need to get a ruling about the body count here because I have it up here. I think they, they say he kills sixty, but are those confirmed? Do we know that sixty people died, or is that well? What I have is that if they really were opening fire down there, there had there was a lot of people. There had to be way more than sixty casualties. I think they say they're like eighteen hundred people. Right. 
But then when he's on the show and say, oh, they he, say he 60. killed 60, yeah, 60 civilians. So, I mean, once they start shooting, everyone runs and maybe. Yes, maybe. Uh, in terms of the confirmed body count, I don't know. How do you confirm that? Because you haven't seen anything and this government already can't be trusted. Right. The whole thing could be a lie. Maybe nobody died. Maybe a thousand people died. I feel like this number is not is not reliable not credible, enough. So to... we, can, we, can't, we can't add it to the official count. You okay. need to see. You need to have visual confirmation for our statistics. I tend to agree. I just wanted to... You and I are on the same page there. I just wanted yes, to make that's, sure... That's fair. Had to get your input there. So, okay. So we're still at 19. So... I'm assuming you, you probably have a pun or two here that you need to, to work in. No, the next pun is not for a while. He does okay. say, I'll be back here. That's yes, works in the signature line. Now, I, I, I love Richard Dawson's reaction. Oh, it, it's very well delivered. Well, it's it, he he. Well, first of all, the fact that he outquips him is only in a rerun, which yep. is a good. good a it is good a great comment. retort. But he's taken aback for a second. Arnold says the line. Killian kind of reacts like, "Huh?" And then they cut back to Arnold, and he's just staring daggers at him. <laughs> and then he gives the line. But yeah, he do, he does outquip Arnold, uh, and they reveal that. Uh, well, I already forgot the names. Yafik Koto and other guy. What are their names? <laughs> they're they're at McLaughlin and. No, that doesn't sound right. I don't even remember. They're headed into the games. That's all that really matters. (laughs) All three of them are going in. And you go through this tube, which takes up so much time on screen, and I just don't understand it. And at some point, there's a mirror that they pass by that I'm like, why do you need to see things behind you in this tube? The whole tube thing I just found to be funny, but not like, you know, just dumb. Not not funny in an entertaining way. It's just like it took up screen time, and you get it a few times in this movie. I think it works pretty well, though. Like, really? like the sense of speed is really cool. Well, the thing that I compare it to is like if you go back and you watch Return of the Jedi now, that speeder bike chase, at the time it seemed like, wow, they're really going fast. You watch it now, it seems so like, oh, like leisurely. This holds up. It does up. seem really sp- they yeah. are. I mean, that, that sense of speed there, like, it's, I think it's really cool. I can see why they used it a lot. I will tell you, or I will agree with you that it does feel like it's going really fast. Yeah, maybe I just don't know why it matters. I mean, just get them into the game. You know what I'm saying? It's just a cool because way to get them the, down there. You I know. guess, but the viewers don't see it. Probably spent too much time on it. It's mainly because they use it a few times. Yeah, it's a little much. Yes, I I, I know where you're coming from, but I don't I don't mind it. I mean, it's it's the most exciting thing in this. It's definitely the most visually exciting part. Visually, of this movie. yes, this movie is so ugly. And I, I, was, I forgot to mention earlier, but I noticed uh, this director, whatever his name is. Paul Michael Glazer. Okay, thank you. I'm going to keep uh, forgetting. He's like allergic to wide shots. You never know where you are. Like, everything is just like mysterious space. You, you never get a sense of geography. Like This movie is just really ugly. It's all like the colored lights. So like, I, I, think, I think maybe why I don't mind this, these tubes here is like... Brightens at least, it up. Yeah, at least it's visually interesting. So uh, we so we get down in the game zone. They establish you know the logical question. I think actually pretty well. Like if it's this huge place, how would you get them? You know, kind of to where you want them to be. And so they have other people down there that effectively are kind of menacing and threatening. Although with as efficient of a killer as Ben Richards is, I don't know. I'm not sure why he wouldn't just you know take out kind of those scrubs that are kind of directing them where they need them to direct them. Oh, to. like the the rejects from from Mad Max. Like yes, the- exactly. But so they, I mean, the, there's a lot of them there, and there's also like a whole crowd. That yeah, I guess so. I, I give them credit. They, they, they may have it make sense of how they would steer this game to where because you couldn't have cameras everywhere. There's just no way. Yeah, but steer them where they want them to after Sub Zero, uh, <laughs> not Scorpion, but Sub Zero. It was a little before its time, I guess, uh, with a, a Scorpion reference, but not too, not too far ahead of its time. Yeah, it was only uh, a few years before. Only a few years before Mortal Kombat would come out. But a very different character. Uh, much different Sub-Zero, <laughs> yes. Uh, 
but before we get to that, speaking of the crowd down there, uh, two questions. One, how much do you think? How much more do you think it costs to be in a studio audience versus, versus down there in that crowd? Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> that, I don't know. Those I assume are the cheap seats. But yes. Like, is it is it just like a couple of bucks? I was and, gonna say a couple of bucks, standing room only. All you get to see is them come out of a tube and then run away. Right. It's like that's not. Like, what, you're not getting your money's worth there. I mean, I guess it's like golf or whatever. You kind of like you're well, only standing yeah, you're walking. at walking. And then uh, again, speaking of the crowd, back upstairs, I just think it's really funny how they bring Ben Richards out. And he's wearing his like prison outfit, and they're all boo booing him. And then they tear the prison outfit off to reveal the spandex, and everyone goes crazy. <laughs> yes, that is. Yeah, true. spandex. They're just so happy. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's like the like Running Man, right? It's the official official right. uniform, which we will shortly find out that it appears to be almost an indestructible material. Uh, not against Sub Zero, but against Buzzsaw. Ben Richards. It's drag, and I mean, it shows a little wear. But yeah. it is almost indestructible. Yeah, he gets a few holes. Like, like. But he's been dragged multiple times. Either way. Um, so, yeah, so Killian pulls someone out of the crowd to choose. And, and the, the bookies are betting on who's going to be chosen, which I feel like that's something you could very easily rig. Yes. Um, and I, I kind of had something on there. So is that a prop bet? I'm not sure how that works. The odds, <laughs> I couldn't really tell. Again, they are, it is, a, it is a, a sports book that would be out of business very, very quickly. Yeah, if it must me. be a prop bet. Yeah. Well, it's funny. There's two bookies there. They're like a, a thousand people trying yeah. to bet. How could you enforce that? Yeah. I, and if, if these bookies are holding all that money, why doesn't the crowd, why don't they just maul them and take <laughs> all the money? I didn't think about that. I, there's right. just so many things with that that's just so comical to me. Maybe that's like an officially sanctioned, like, because there are guards in the crowd. Maybe that's just like. Maybe, but I, again, I, it's not, it's, it may be officially sanctioned. It is not very well run. Yeah, so. Uh, so Sub-Zero is chosen. Yes, by Edith. Edith Wiggins. She chooses Sub-Zero. She likes her uh, men big, big and cuddly. cuddly. That's right. Uh, yeah, so again, our second movie with uh, Professor Tora Tanaka. Yes. This, this was not by design. <laughs> <laughs> well, I looked him up this time because I kind of was curious. And, you know, I don't think I've ever seen him in any other movies but these two. But uh, he was a professional wrestler. And I only watched wrestling for a few years. And you watched it a little bit, right? Yep. But not, not Yeah, WWF in the early 90s. Yeah, sure. early 90s. This is definitely our era of wrestling. But uh, you remember, remember Mr. Fuji, yes, the manager? Absolutely. Back in the 70s when he was a wrestler, uh, Toru Tanaka was his tag team partner. Oh. So there you go. Very, so I, very interesting. I learned that uh, looking up Toru Tanaka. But he, was, you know, he definitely had a lot of these. I mean, I, I looked at his filmography and it was like I didn't recognize 90% but he probably stuff. Made, but he probably made a good living. Yeah, I'm sure direct-to-video, he just he, he made his living there. So, yeah. uh, you know, at least for me, there's not a ton of uh, stuff. It's, you know, the, the first one, they expect the what to happen is Sub-Zero should win because that's how this game is supposed to work. Yeah, and this, this fight with Sub-Zero is not really that interesting, I don't think. It's not. The only thing I will say is, well, one, the, the response from Arnold is, is, is one of the best lines in the movie. But maybe more importantly, what nev- doesn't make any sense to me is they've successfully killed a stalker when, uh, when they do. Why don't they take any of his stuff? I mean, they're out there to try and survive in this, right? And he's got this hockey blade that sh- you know should be able to cut people in half. I would pick that up and take it. No, Ben Richards is too tough for that. That's- he just says, "No, I just need my indestructible spandex suit." That's a good point. I never, I, I don't know how I never thought about that, but you're right. And yeah, he, they don't take any of this. I mean, I know Buzzsaw; it's probably a piece of him, so maybe it, that wouldn't make sense. But Sub Zero, the stuff is just sitting there. Pick it up, Arnold. Ben, take it with you. Maybe it's against the rules. They don't want to. You know, they're, they're these are the heroes. They can't. Uh, they can't be rule breakers. Uh, uh, maybe not. Uh, so th- those were kind of the things that I noticed in this. 
I did, you know, it's kind of amusing that they'd have a whole hockey arena just for Sub-Zero's um, presentation, but whatever. You know, it's it's a cheesy 80s movie, and for the most part, it works pretty well. Yeah. Now, I, I need another ruling. I think you probably agree. Here's Sub-Zero, now Plane Zero. How it doesn't make sense that Plane Zero is somehow less than Sub-Zero? Well, no, I'm just asking, is that a pun? Because I don't think that's a pun. I don't think it's a pun, but it is a good line. <laughs> it's a pretty good line. It's, yeah. it's definitely memorable. Like, yeah, you think about one, this I movie. think it's probably the mo- one of the three most memorable lines in the movie. But when I really thought about it when I was getting ready to do this podcast, it doesn't make any sense. What, what Plane Zero is less than Sub-Zero? I, oh, you're right. Yeah, it that, doesn't make, I mean, it really doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I never thought about that. Is this like on a Kelvin right. scale? I mean, well, how does exactly does this work, Ben? I don't understand. You're it's, 100% I, I, right. Mathematically, he has improved on Sub-Zero. Yes, somehow he's improved on Sub-Zero. <laughs> yeah, Plane Zero is more than Sub-Zero. That, that's Abs- one of my things I had to absolutely cover. Because I do love the line, but in particular, what didn't make sense to me is how Plane Zero is something less than Sub-Zero. Yeah, So, but we do get our third pun, I'm pretty sure, here. Uh yeah, well, they're running out. Well, first of all, I'm not going to play the clip. I, well, we're right here, but I won't play it because we played too many last time. But uh, first of all, they start pumping in gas. And the Affleck Coda goes, what's that? And Arnold goes, gas. <laughs> Thanks, Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> I had not noticed That's that. like the Ghostbusters where these stairs go, they go up. Except, yes. but, but Ernest, like he's serious. Like, yes. it's gas. We got to get out of here. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so pun number three where the Affleck Coda says, sure glad we took care of Sub-Zero, which is like the most... You know, I'm setting you up for a, yeah. a gag. Yeah, let me set it up in front of the net. You jump up and spike it. <laughs> and then Arnold says, yeah, he was a real pain in the neck. So, <laughs> yes. There's, there's number three. Just plain zero, not a pun, but that is 100% a pun. So he makes up for it. Uh, and they cut back to Killian on the phone with the Justice Department talking about they're upset that a, a stalker died. Yes. And I kind of want to play this clip. Uh, so please we- do. So, and this is what I think establishes is that you know everybody in the audience, everybody's shocked. So to me, this is an indication this has never happened before. Yeah, they've had Which, winners. They've had people escape, right, so, escape, and that's what I, that's what like kind of led me to be like, well, how does the game work? Apparently, you must be able to escape because I'm led to believe from this that no stalker has ever been killed. But allegedly, there have been winners that yeah. escaped. So and so have been Haddad and somebody yes. else. Three winners. Yeah. So okay, I, I this I think this. Clip just perfectly typifies what's so great about Richard Dawson in this movie. So let's. A little bit of pain I, in the neck. I know, an, I know a stalker died. Well, it had to happen sooner or later. He's got his makeup guy. Yeah, well, it is a contact sport, right? Yeah, see, but you guys are justice. You cannot have it both ways. You want ratings, you want people in front of the TV sets instead of picket lines. Well, you ain't going to get that with reruns of Gilligan's Island. Even like his... <laughs> Gilligan's Island. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah, the one with the boat. <laughs> this comic timing is so perfect. Yes. But it's just like his body language, he's just he doesn't care at all that somebody died. He's leaning back, he's nope. having his coffee. Having his coffee, getting his makeup touched up because he's going to have to go back out there. <laughs> the show must go on, right? Yeah. I, I will give this movie a little bit of credit with, because uh, I think we're maybe being a little harsh about, because who knows what their point of view is, you know, whether or not it's actually like a little bit sexist, but it does have some restraint with the, the the gay makeup guy and also like there's the kind of that their his the theatrically appointed uh, talent agent or whatever it is yes that gets the pen in his back that guy comes very close to being a Jewish stereotype and the same goes for this makeup guy being a gay stereotype but it never quite like Crop. it doesn't it doesn't push it and it doesn't you know like it's I, there but they don't 
There, there, this is 1987. There's a version of this movie that could be very like, like not PC today. Yes. And this movie doesn't go there, and yeah, you know, at least give it credit for that of having some restraints and stuff like that because both of those are kind of walking up to the edge, but they don't go over. Uh, so yeah, so the game goes on. I guess where are we? <laughs> what happens next? So yes, the the game must uh, continue on, and they have to get some some new stalkers up and ready. Ready to go. Oh, right. And they, so they, they get that nebbishy guy up, and he's just like, who are you going to pick? And he can't decide. He can't decide. And so they give so him. So Killing knows what to do. Is, give, uh, give them what they want. Give them both. Is this, is this common, do you think? Like, what, the rules of this game are very fluid, I feel like. I, I feel like it is fluid, but it is, again, why uh, I feel like it's sort of the eventual inspiration for American Gladiators uh, to have a couple out there. And that, wow, a, a stalker died, so I feel like Richards, uh, not Richards, Killian, they, they're changing the rules because now something unprecedented happened, so let's do something unprecedented. We'll give you two. That, that's how I take it, that, that that is not standard operating procedure that they'd send two in, but because something, this is a huge episode, we're gonna, we're, we need to up the stakes even more. But do you think, I mean, I guess for those, for those three who supposedly escaped, maybe it's a thing where they send... More in as right, like, they get on, further along. On a regular basis, and since one's dead, they have to, like, well, normally we'd be sending in the second guy, but the first guy's dead, so we got to send in two. It could be. Actually, that actually, I'll buy that. I just, I'll buy my own <laughs> explanation there. As we've, as we've talked through it, it's just like, okay. I, I went from going, like, this makes no sense, these rules are ridiculous, to being like, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> well, either way, you know, you need to uh, up the stakes in the movie and make it tougher for Arnold now that he's gotten rid of Sub-Zero. Yeah. So they, they send in two Buzzsaw and... <laughs> I'm not sure how Dynamo would ever qualify to be a gladiator anywhere, but... Both of these guys are pretty lame. Like, yes. Buzzsaw just cuts through a piece of Ikea furniture. Everyone's just so impressed. He cut through that piece of balsa wood. Oh, my God. Yes. And then Dynamo comes out and sings some opera, which I'm sure this actor... is like, oh, you can sing opera? Or do it. We'll, we'll, we'll build your character around opera yeah, we'll, we'll build it around despite the fact it doesn't make any sense. My favorite part of that guy, though, is he has his sign and he shoots electricity at the sign and it says, clap if you love. And the crowd, like, jumps the gun and she's like, oh, I guess we should clap now. And then Dynamo, yeah! Just go crazy. <laughs> this crowd is very, like, I don't know if they're well-trained or poorly trained because between this... Say it, it could go either way. <laughs> yeah, between this and the cheering for spandex, and it's just... I, <laughs> I'm sure there are, like, all kinds of crazy traditions in this game show. That, uh, well, the game show in itself, and that, the Dynamo thing reminds me in terms of... Uh, I was going to say the choreography of the audience. I forgot to mention the dance sequence, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but the dance sequence leading up to the game show, man alive is it a long time, <laughs> and eventually looking at the credits... I thought this at the time. I'm like, God, this feels like I'm in the opening of uh, like something with Paul Abdul, like in Living Color. And sure enough, when I look, yes, Paul Abdul did this. Why am I not surprised? And it, it felt like it took like 20 minutes to get through the dance sequence. I don't mind the dance sequence. Actually, I, I think that stuff is the best directed stuff in this movie, weirdly. Well, it's well choreographed. Well, That's true. Maybe, yeah, I shouldn't give, the, I should give Paul we'll, Abdul we'll credit it that way. and not the director. So, but. so anyway, so, you know, the, that, that's, I guess they are well trained, as is the audience. So we get, uh, we get Dynamo and Buzzsaw heading in into the game. Well, and not only that, but we also get Amber because Killian's learned that she, she pulled the tapes, the real tapes, which is interesting. He seems to know. He's just a game show host, but he knows the truth about Yeah. <laughs> he seems like a very powerful game show host. I was yeah, why why has he got this high level? Well, I guess you know what, if they were like the major broadcast network, 
And he does seem like he's pretty important to that network. Maybe he would know. And especially doing the research, getting Ben Richards in, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's fair that he'd know that. Maybe. I just, they, they treat him like he's the emperor of the earth. You yes. know what I mean? It's like, he's just like, he is he's, a game show host, he's just right? He's a game show. It's a very popular game show. Yes, but I just want to make sure, like, he isn't actually in charge of everything. But you're right. They then, as we've already kind of talked about, her, her crimes are uh, suspect at best, <laughs> sexist probably, and, you know, slut shaming. Uh, and uh, But it is also kind of funny. Like, th- th- that, that, that announcer being I was like, going to say, the announcer really sold it. Yeah. The announcer was great. Her lover. Yes. <laughs> like that, it's, it's funny. Like, and it's, but I, I think that stuff is intended to be funny and intended to be, you know, a satire, but who knows? So she, uh, she heads in and, um, we, we, we get some, some more confrontation. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not sure how much there really is to it. This is just kind of more of the same, of showing, you know, how, how powerful and how good Ben Richards is. We do, we do have our first, uh, well, two casualties really, but we get, uh, two, two different casualties in this, um, in this sequence. But, I didn't have a ton of stuff other than it's it's basically just continuing on of how how good Ben Richards is. Are you talking how, about the the stalkers? Or are you talking about Weiss and Lachlan? Well, well, I'm talking about you've got the deaths of Weiss and Lachlan, but you then yeah, eventually well, you don't get both. You only get Buzzsaw doesn't make it. Dynamo is just down for the count. Yeah, I'm pretty dead. sure. I'm pretty sure the order is. I'm not going to scroll up right now, but I think it's uh, yeah. Arnold or uh, Richards kills Buzzsaw. And then Dynamo shows up because uh, Weiss and Amber have gone to steal the codes or whatever. And Buzzsaw electrocutes Weiss. And it's not clear that he's dead, but you learn later that he's dead. Yeah, but Yafa Koto also gets, gets cut by Buzzsaw and eventually <laughs> yeah. falls to his injuries. Well, his dialogue implies that he pushed, he, tried, he deliberately pushed Richards out of the way to save him. But it's not what it looks like. He just looks like he's trying to get away and bumps into him. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, 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 was, I was pushing you out of the way. I was saving your life. No, you weren't. It was just an accident. Or if you were, it was, or, or it was just, you know, Paul Abdul didn't do the choreography on that stunt and it was very poorly choreographed. <laughs> and he also says, uh, he says, like, make sure you, you win or whatever. I don't want to be the only asshole in heaven. <laughs> what does that mean? I want to deconstruct that. Does he uh, mean that Richards is the people that he kill are going to go to heaven and so therefore there will be more assholes in heaven? Or is, it, is he rooting, does he want Richards to die because... I, I, wants, I think maybe he wants Richards to die, and he he wants his buddy up there. It's one or the other because yes. it does like the, actually like the the logic of that sentence makes no sense. Uh, so yeah, so our, uh, Ben Richards cuts uh, Buzzsaw in half. It's interesting because the crowd is not into uh, when when Richards kills the stalkers, they're really upset, and then when he refuses to kill Dy- Dynamo, they're really upset. Yes, the, the, they are not. I'm not, as you said, I'm not sure if they're well-trained or poorly trained. <laughs> they don't uh, know what they want. They don't know what they want. But you know what? Maybe, maybe, that's, exactly, uh, maybe that's exactly what the, a real crowd would be like. They don't really know what they want. It's the most fickle crowd you've yes. ever seen. Just like, you know, they, <laughs> one minute they want this thing. The other, the so other what thing. we're eventually going to get to here is after these, you know, Dynamo's out, I, I know we uh, will get another crowd shot on the outside. And that's when somebody wants odds on Richard's. And they put up, I, I have in my notes here now that I've flipped over to 100 to 1. So you tell me how you're going to put up 100 to 1 odds. It's never been done before. You've just been established, Killian's established, that a stalker eventually had to die. Right. He's now not killed, not one, two, with only through 
being, you know, Maximus the Merciful, only because he showed mercy on Dynamo is the only reason he doesn't have three kills to his belt, and you're going to put him up at 100 to 1. I would take whatever credit that I could beg, borrow, and steal and put everything I ever had on Ben Richards at those odds. Maybe they have no intention of paying it out. Maybe it's just a crooked book. Uh, that that book could game. be. I mean, I think they're just trying to sell how remarkable it is. I mean, th- th- just the idea of people betting on Richards at all is so... They're so astonished. Like, they look at each other like, what do we do? Like, do we take these bets? It's like, yes. yes. Like, and then they're like, yeah. All right, and then they start taking them in. But it's like, they don't know what to set the odds. This is so unprecedented. It's never happened before. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're up to 23 kills. On the body count? Yes. All right, then... All the stuff with the the uh, the codes and the uplink. Yes, is the, that now the long alphanumeric? She um, Amber gets it from uh, the brainy guy, and uh, she's able to remember it. Uh, Dynamo foolishly drives his little off-road vehicle up a huge incline. I learned something from the commentary. This is the one thing I oh, learned from the commentary excellent. about that. That was a mistake. Oh, there was supposed to be more to that sequence, but. The person, the stuntman driving that car, actually rolled the car and wrecked it, and they couldn't. They, they didn't, didn't have, have a replacement car. It's exactly 100 percent true. So they had, <laughs> yeah, they just had to use it. Oh, that's fantastic! Because if you look at the footage, it's so like shakily and bad. Like as like the footage they have is really bad. Like yes. you can't even really tell what's happening. No, because they didn't expect it to happen. They didn't expect the guy to wreck the car. That is fantastic. I'm glad you listened to the commentary. To that's the that. one, the only reason, the only fact I gained from it is like. The whole thing was a waste of time otherwise. So we, uh, we advanced the, the underground resistance a little bit by getting the code. Not sure how much I care. But the important thing is now, as already referenced, Jim Brown needs to get, uh, get, 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 get himself ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah his, I think he's the most disappointing of all of these guys. Because at least the other three kind of get to engage with Ben Richards and kind of have a fight with him. Dynamo, or, uh, Fireball. Uh, Fireball is just... Like he shoots, he shoots his flamethrower at Richards. Richards throws some barrels, like Thank Donkey you. Kong. Oh, you beat me to it. Thank you for bringing that up. I uh, saw the, the Donkey Kong moment was just fantastic. I saw it in your eyes. I knew I had to cut you off. Yeah, I saw you going for it. I was, I was oh, you you beat me to that one. That is another part of this movie I love. Is that this? It wasn't the inspiration because Donkey Kong did come out before the Running Man. But I love that Donkey Kong somehow made its way into this movie, whether intentional or not. Well, he has a pile of barrels next to him, a la Donkey Kong. That's the part that really makes it seem like Donkey Kong. It's not just that he's throwing barrels, it's that he has the pile of barrels. Yes, that they're just sitting there waiting to be thrown down at Mario. Donkey Kong's barrel stash there. Yes. Uh, But yeah, and then, then, like, they lose... They lose him. They lose Fireball. Amber wanders into a locker room and finds the bodies. The bodies that still... uh, you know, one, why are the bodies still there? I mean, if this is, if this is like the, the, the damning evidence, why would it still be there? But more importantly, why are their name tags still on there? They could just be some charred remains of anybody, but they literally, the name tags are still on there. <laughs> yeah. And, and they may as well have a sign outside that locker yes. room that says evidence or something. Evidence, right, exactly. With a big glowing sign. Here, here's the key crucial piece of information that could undermine this show's credibility, and it's sitting right here. I mean, I guess it's too... It's to imply that that was where the contestants thought they had to go. Like, if you get to this locker room or something, like I don't even know what what the like the, the logic behind that is. Like, do like okay, so and so escapes, and then what? They 
they round the government rounds them up and takes them back into this zone and puts them in the locker room, or do no, they all I just think, happen to? I, I think it probably happened off camera, and it just you, you never you never saw they but they had to show that somebody could actually win the game, so they faked it with those guys. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm saying why a locker room? What are the bodies doing in a locker room? I, It'd be I, one thing if it was like a morgue or, or some place or buried, or just a place where it would make sense that a, a government would want to hide a body. Yes. But like the fact that there are all three of them in that locker room implies they died there and they just left the bodies there. But they weren't, I, I assume they weren't all contestants all at the same time. No, so, like, I, I, so whoever died first in there, then the second guy goes in and is like, oh, there's a body in here. This no, is where I'm supposed to go. The and way then, I, I took it is, I took it is that they played the game the same way with Richards, where they had two other kind of lesser interesting criminals. So I took it that all three of them were in there. There was a headliner and then there were like two backup dancers for the, for the Paul Abdul. See, I, I, I get the sense that having multiple contestants at once is unusual because of the way earlier when Killian's like, we have a surprise. There's two more. It's Maybe. presented as if it's unusual. I thought it was more that it was a surprise for Richards that it, he would double cross them and put in the two guys that he threw himself on the grenade for. Well, also the, the the reason why I assume they were all separate contestants is when they show the video of them like happily on the beach, like hey, they're they're all separate. They're not that's true. together as if they all escaped together. So who knows? But these details don't matter. They're all made up stuff. Like those videos were mocked up. Yeah, yeah. So so. So, and the one thing that we missed, uh, now that I'm thinking back, is we missed the scene where Killian is trying to convince Richards that he should be become a stalker and offer him a contract. And You're right, we did skip that, and that's the whole thing. <laughs> he needs to leave enough room for his I fist. was going to say, it has another one of my, my favorite Arnold uh, sound bites, if you will. I hope you leave enough room for my fist, because I'm going to ram it into your stomach. And I think it's break your goddamn spine. Yes, it's really overacted by Aaron, but I do. I love the leave enough room for my fist. It's just great. Yeah, the, the detail also, like the whole time they were fighting, uh, I guess it was Dynamo. Right next to them was a giant TV, like surrounded by lights. And that's oh, where Killian, that's that. how Killian talks to him. He's like, "Hey, Richard, oh, yes. he's up on a giant screen that we you never see." And then suddenly it's oh, by the way, there's a huge screen there. For the last five minutes during this fight, there was a screen right there. You just didn't get to see it. I, I missed, and yeah, we're we're going fast, and you know we don't want to go too too far over like last time. Uh, just just like for the listener, I don't know how long episode one is going to be, but we went three hours, and I I don't know about you, but I was exhausted by the end. So we're trying to kind of keep on our pace up this time. So if we're going fast, we are skipping some stuff because I did miss two puns. Oh, what happened to Buzz? Saw he had to split. Yes, and then uh, when uh, Richards kills Fireball. First of all, Richard's Fireball goes into that locker room, and she goes like, "Oh, it was last season's winners," and he goes, "Last season's losers," which is a dumb line. Like, the, even if they're dead, they did, still won the game. Yes, so they're still winners. They're just dead winners. Uh, but then Richards is like hanging above him like a ninja. He he separates his gas lines, and then Fireball freaks out. My gas lines, and then Arnold goes, "How about a light?" and throws. Uh, I guess a lighter, or what does he? Th- I don't even know what he throws. He throws something, and fireball explodes because yes. his gas lines are cut. So how about a light? But you you also forgot what a hothead. They're, that oh, you're that, right. You're, that is also I. That is in the same yes. sequence. That's number six. Yes. I'd, what a hothead. Uh, the only other thing, you know, uh, I'm with you. There's not the fireball is pretty disappointing. But you did have Killian uh, work in the the number one rusher as he's running into the game zone, which That's is true. very very well played. Not yeah. really a pun, but uh, like most of Killian's uh, Richard Dawson's 
Lines, very, very well played. Well delivered as it, well. It's a nice nod to Jim Brown. To Jim I mean, Brown. You know. Yeah, so <laughs> then I have, after uh, uh, Fireball dies, the dancers do the dance of mourning. Yes. <laughs> what is that? I, Fireball. I, like, they have like this like very sorrowful thing. And the, the Fly Girls are still doing like dance moves. Yes. Uh, it's very strange. Again, I think it was one of those, we need to take up screen time because this movie needs to be a certain amount of time. So yes, we're going to have the epitaph via interpretive dance from Paula Abdul. Yes, and, and so while that dance number is happening, they're all in the control room, and Captain Freedom barges in. He's not going to go out there. Uh, this Jesse Ventura, he's great. He's he doesn't really have much one. stuff t- screen time, but it's all great. It's when he's fun- in the locker room talking about it, actually, we we missed that. His his discussions in the locker room absolutely yeah, fantastic. That's a really funny reaction shot where Killian's just like, "Oh, we got news. We got an update in the game grid." And they cut back to Jesse Ventura, and he's just like, uh-huh. "He's just he's so like hurt that they don't let him reminisce about the old days." Yes, but this is funny too, where he comes in and they've obviously given him some kind of wardrobe. Some robot suit or something. And I'd love to know, I mean, are there just, is it just a bunch of knives? I have no idea what that robot suit does. Um, but if, if I were Captain Freedom, I'd say the same thing. I'd be like, this junk is just going to slow me down. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I like that uh, Killian's just like, spare me the honorable gladiator stuff or whatever. Because, yeah, uh, Captain Freedom is kind of trying to, like, he seems to really buy into this show. Yes, like the, he he believes in it. Like he believes in the purity of it, and he thinks it's being that it's a sport, right? Yes, <laughs> and that yeah, it's being tainted and it's being corrupted by Killian or something. Uh, yeah, it's a weird. I kind of like it, but at the same time, it makes me wish they had gone more into it. I want to know what the Running Man was like ten years ago right. when when he was on and when he when was Captain Freedom was on. That it, that it, maybe it wasn't rigged. Maybe actually it was like a legitimate. Well, it makes me think it started out American Gladiators and kind of evolved into a... (laughs) Well, devolved, but yes. It kind of got more... It needed to... The ratings became stagnant, whatever, so you needed to up the stakes. That very well could have been. Yeah. Yeah. And it it certainly... If it wasn't an inspiration, the inspiration, it had to be an inspiration for American Gladiators. um, The the concept of the running man. Yeah, and I think American Gladiators went on the air like the next year or something. It was very close, so I I wouldn't doubt it at all. So what we get is uh, Captain Freedom refuses to uh, belittle himself by participating, but that's okay because they do have the modern marvels of technology, <laughs> and we can still get, of course, Governor versus Governor, which is some of the reason why I wanted to do this movie next because I I, I enjoy the whether it's irony or or whatever that you have two future governors grappling <laughs> grappling grappling in a steel cage with. Uh, uh, spikes that they can be impaled upon, and I think maybe modern politics would be more interesting if that's how disputes had to be, had to be settled. But it would have to be a CGI, like a fake CGI fight, because I mean they don't actually face off in this movie. No, they do not. It's, it's body doubles, which I feel bad for the body double who who gets impaled yeah. uh, pretending to be Ben Richards. Oh, do I have them? Oh, I better make sure I have them on my count because that's right. I forgot. Those are those are that's a real. Those are two real body counts, and I don't know who the body double was for Amber. But uh, she 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 doesn't make it either. You're right. I have Richard's body double, but not Amber's body double. So my my miscounting has been offset. Look at it, it's offset, and you are right where you need to be. I'm so happy. I don't have to worry about it now. The final body count is the same. Yeah. Uh, so now we're at uh, now we're at 25. 
So yes, through uh, modern modern technology, they did have enough foresight to be able to uh, use CGI. I'd like to know who those body doubles were because the one thing I noticed is during the both of them, both Amber and ben, the fake Amber and the fake Ben Richards, all they do to try to fight back is they just smoosh their hand into in, Captain yes. Freedom's face. They're clearly not well trained in hand to hand combat. No, you'd think the the crowd would be suspicious because a Captain Freedom doesn't come out and do his big intro like all the other guys did. And then they're like, here's some footage. Yes, here's <laughs> footage of them in the cage. <laughs> right. And they don't explain how the two of them got in that cage. It's no, just, and what I was confused is, so what I didn't understand is, is the cage, is that supposed to be like the final stage? And if so, how did the winners, how would they have ever survived that cage? Because to me, there's no way of coming out of that cage unless somebody's dead. So I'm guessing that it was supposed to be some special edition because of... Ben Richards, that well, they introduced this cage. I mean, what happened when they fought, fought Sub-Zero, right? They, they were enclosed, and then when they killed Sub-Zero, what, like a door opened and gas forced them out? Is yes, that what happened? Yes, I guess so. Yeah, pu- pushed them along. So I assume, I mean, but it's, well, my it's point fake is, is regardless. That, that, that final cage, it would seem to me if there was a winner, there's no way that they could make it out of that cage alive. No, I mean, I think, I, I assume... Without killing... No, what I'm saying is without killing... The, oh, right. There's, there's no way to run. Right. There's <laughs> nowhere to run in that cage. It just exposes the fraud that is the title of that show. Because yeah. it's not the running man. It's the, we're going to trap you and you have to fight man. Yes, yeah, fight to the death man. Yeah, there's, there's, there's very little running. And that's the thing, I think, the biggest difference between this. The little that I know about the original novel, I just read the Wikipedia article, but that's much more about, like, it's open, basically, you know. It's free, kind of like Grand Theft Auto, free, free roaming. You can run wherever. Yeah, Richards is basically have to, like, he's being hunted across the country and, the stalkers are, to survive. Right. So it's, it's a, kind of more along the lines of the Hunger Games where they do. They just literally will sleep for a bunch of, a bunch of the game, right? But at some point, they may push them towards action, but it's over a much more open space than what... Right. Well, the, the goal is to actually run away as opposed to clearly, yeah, like you said, there's no way to run away without fighting. So it's just, it's, you know, I mean, whatever. It's a small gripe. The, the novel is called The Running Man. They're this, not going to change. This is not the, very much running at all. <laughs> No, not at all. Uh, so yeah, and this is where uh, this is where we get the crazy. Like the, I was I was praising the movie earlier about its attention to detail on the computer screen. Yeah. This is where I was saying the opposite is true, because Killian's congratulating everybody after they get the fake fight over, saying what good season we're gonna get picked up, blah blah blah. And on a TV behind him, the credits for the Running Man TV show are rolling, and the credits here are the credits to the TV show The Running Man. So it starts with the thank yous. Thank you, Tim, George, Gary, Paul, Bob, Keith, you, me, us, them. What next? I don't know. Titles. Type <laughs> M wrong. Make up. Paint your face. Props. Property. Locations. Buy too long here. Locations. Red, G, blue. Someone was just, I'm going to get this done as fast as possible. I, uh, I had not noticed that. And uh, that is not an attention to detail. No, <laughs> RG blue, red G blue. Type M wrong. What, what are they? That that how, clearly how? is uh, not uh, thinking about home video and down, it's, down the road. And it's very visible. Like it's the scene where he's saying congratulations. Look, if you look at the monitor, it's right behind him, and it's like very clear. Yeah, how, it takes maybe another five minutes to come up with. with Plausible, title. legitimate. Yeah, legitimate credits. Like that's that's a step beyond lazy. Whoever's job that was. You know, like I, I, I'm always hesitant to criticize because who knows? Like, you know, I'm sure making a movie is very difficult. That's, come on, Th- that that's a layup. Whoever that guy is, <laughs> or, or girl, who knows? But oh, I, I missed a few because there was like whatever. It doesn't matter. One of the credits says Do Re Mi. 
just, just nonsense. It's all nonsense. So they've they've wrapped up uh, maybe the greatest episode of The Running Man, and uh, the, the crowd is satiated. Yes. Meanwhile, uh, Amber and uh, Ben had, have hooked back up with uh, Mick and his resistance. Yes. Which we forgot all about. Like that's been happening for the last ten minutes, and we forgot about it because we we <laughs> I don't care about that. Yeah, it's not very interesting. But they they get uh, they have the sequence. She's memorized it. I'm very impressed by her memory. Somehow she wasn't smart enough to hide that contraband very well, but she has a fantastic memory. Maybe it's uh, writing those jingles. She she has some sort of uh, ability to turn it into a song in her head. I'm not sure how she remembered that alphanumeric uh, code. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you probably run into something. Just being, she probably had created some kind of mnemonic device using musical notes or something. Maybe. Uh, there's, so there's, there's a line between her and Mick that I want to say because uh, it's similar to that the heaven line where that I kind of want to deconstruct it. Uh, where Mick says something about blah blah blah. Like if we don't do this, Lachlan and Weiss would have died for nothing. And then Amber goes, "They didn't die for nothing. I have the code." He just said they didn't die for nothing. So we have to do this so they won't have died for nothing. And she yes. goes, they didn't die. Like, she's agreeing with him, but she's saying it like, yep. no, you're wrong. They didn't. That, yes, I, that's exactly what I just said. I thought it was not well-constructed dialogue <laughs> at all. It's as if this dialogue is written as if the characters, none uh, of the characters are listening to each other. I was going to say, they, they are talking to themselves. They, they're, it, it's like they're not acting in front of the other people. So anyway, they're, yeah, they're going to take this revolutionary crew and storm the gates. Yes, and storming the gates. Now we, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you get to the body count because it again starts to pick up some steam here. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Well, first of all, I just want to point out before I get to the body count, when they burst into the studio and the guards fire and they all just duck. Yeah, <laughs> there's no cover and they just duck and the, the bullets just go brrr, right over them. Uh, this movie is just not interested at all, and in, I mean it's, realism. It's, it's so happy to be. As dumb as it wants to be, it does not care. I kind yes. of, I kind of respect it for it. That's what I was saying earlier. Like it, this movie, it knows what kind of a movie it is. All right, you want to blast through these? The well, body count. While here? we're not touching that dial, absolutely. All right, Richard shoots a guy into a tube. So I assume he goes down like completely, like without even the sled. The guy goes into the tube. Uh, Amber shoots a guy in the hallway. This is uh, what alerts Dynamo that she's there. So Dynamo wanders out. Uh, Dynamo's electrocuted after a struggle. She she shoots the ceiling or whatever. Yes, uh, the sprinklers, and somehow he loses his pants somewhere. If you if you look, I'm pretty sure the preceding scene, his pants are on, but then they're like, oh no, we're gonna make him a sexual uh, predator. He's I, not gonna have pants. I, I, I'm glad you reminded me because I, there's no question something was cut. Yes, it's, it's, some test audiences said no, no, no. You need to pair this back because earlier in the movie, I don't know if you noticed, but. Uh, Dynamo kills Weiss when they're doing the codes. Doesn't kill Amber. They just kind of show him and her kind of struggling. And there's a shot where he's walking towards her and he's obviously saying something, but the dialogue is 100% been oh. cut out. And then it's like, again, like, why didn't he kill her? It's his job to kill her and he doesn't. And he's trying to get her back into his car. And then, yeah, and that scene at the end, yeah, I think they definitely had to tone something way, way back from the way they shot it. Uh, but anyway, he's electrocuted. He's 28. Uh, Arnold shoots a guard in the middle of the crowd just shooting into a crowd he doesn't hit the crowd luckily but uh, based on his shooting at the prisoner yes it's it's dicey uh, and then another one on the stage that's 30 guard shoots a random woman 31 Arnold avenges her 32 Arnold's crew gets a kill not clear who but someone one of the no name guys Uh, Arnold gets one more 
And then and then the final guard, I guess Arnold gets that one too. I wasn't clear enough in my notes. Someone gets 35. Oh, I didn't put Killian. That's really, there's no excuse for that. Okay, 36 is the final count. So, of course, once they, uh, they have the uplink, they're going to change the world, and, and Ben gets back, not in a rerun. <laughs> I, the last thing that I have that I really enjoy is uh, Sven. He, he doesn't get yeah, much. Yeah, we haven't talked about Sven at all. Well, you don't have to get much. You really just need the last line, because I love Sven's. I've got to score some steroids is, is one of my favorite lines in this movie. I absolutely love it. It cracks me up because I don't know if you've ever seen Metalocalypse, the TV show. I have not. But it's, it's about heavy metal bands. You know, it's an it's a animated show. And one of the characters is from, from, what's the word? What's the word? Scandinavia. Scandinavia. That's yeah. the thing I was trying to say. Norway, Finland, Finland yes. Sweden. So yeah. I forget which country, but it's one of the characters. And the, and the character on the show ends every word with an S. Uh, just, and so the way this guy goes, the way Sven says, I just got to score some steroids. <laughs> People who know Metalocalypse know what I'm talking about, but uh, it's, it's, he says it exactly like that. It's just, I, I, I love that line. And so then that's when uh, there's the confrontation and Ben, ben gets Killian. Well, I don't, I don't want to move off on Sven yet because we didn't talk about him at all. Okay. Why is he in this movie? He uh, literally does nothing. The, the, my favorite moment of his is when he gets, uh, uh, Killian kicks uh, Captain Freedom out. He's like, get him out of here, talking to Sven. And Sven just kind of looks at Kevin Freeman like, eh, come on, guy. Do we really can need you, to... Yeah, can you please just leave? Can you please just leave? Well, he's Killian's bodyguard. Yeah, but like, there's, I mean, I feel like he must just be Arnold's friend. Like, yeah, I, like, I did not look, but I, from the, I've got to score some steroids. I thought there was probably, they were bodybuilders or something together at some point. I probably should have looked it up. I didn't. I just love the line, I've got to score some steroids. Yeah, it's, it's just really strange. I can't, I can't decide if I like it or not. This, this guy is in the whole movie just, just standing, standing around there. looking big and tough, and you're going, oh, this guy's going to do something. Sort of like getting to the fireworks factory. <laughs> right, he never exactly. actually does anything. <laughs> Deliberately like, defy your expectations. Yes. Just like, nope, I'm going to leave. So Sven walks off into the sunset, and uh, Killian hits the spot. Uh, I'm not sure if, if you count that as a pun or not. I'm counting it. That's you know That's he's fair. hitting a spot. It's a, there's a double meaning there. Yes. Yeah. So so our final count we got 36 body count of 36 and seven puns all by Arnold. Arnold's hogging all the puns in this one. Nobody gets nobody else gets puns. Fair enough. And so you know for me you you get to the end of this. I'm not really sure what they've accomplished. They have right. exposed the Running Man as a fraud and that. Great. So the running man's a fraud, but I don't understand. How does that topple the government? I don't really understand the the resist how the exposing Killian and the running man as a fraud solves the the not the iron fist, but the iron hand iron that hand. the government rules with. I mean, especially when you consider that it seems pretty clear that everyone in this world understands that this is a totalitarian regime. It's not like they're revealing anything. No. Oh, they lied about the massacre. It's like, it doesn't I seem mean, like the kind of re-education. World... I mean, you people, <laughs> right. it I seems d- like it's common knowledge. Yeah, I don't know if anyone would have been surprised to learn that the, the official the game was news. Rigged. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, what I was, it's what I meant earlier about. They make it seem like Killian is, like, killing Killian will solve all of this uh, universe's problems. So, I mean, I guess maybe they're trying to say, like, this is the first step and we're going to keep fighting, but whatever. It doesn't matter. All that matters is Killian's dead. Richards is alive. That's, you don't think about the rest of it. Just, don't like, the think about the just, rest of it. And then you then have what really doesn't make any sense to me. You have a character who's been menacing and threatening to this woman, but you have to have, when you get to the end, 
You have to have this very 1980s cliche, they have to kiss. Yeah. It makes no sense. It's the least earned kiss. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not been earned at all. Doesn't make any sense. But you know what? It's, it's par for the course. It's just it's part of the formula. So you got you to... The, the computation, once you've gone through the formula, has to have the correct end result. It's almost like they went, well, you know, we don't need to justify it in a script. All we need to do is put, like, a song, like a love song underneath it. An 80s, uh, that's the cheesiest. Again, the movie is not even trying to not feel 80s. That's, no. That song this movie ends with, it sounds like it came out of uh, the Transformers movie from the 80s. Like yes. That, that, that kind the of, animated, like, yes. rock ballad, like, weird synth rock thing so at least for me you know on, on the running man like uh as we started it's it's a fun movie i think it it did have some inspiration for some stuff american gladiators i won't say that you know it necessarily inspired the dystopia you know game show um for the hunger games but what i do think it definitely inspired is a is a video game that i loved as a kid smash tv i think is is definitely a derivative of of the running man yeah no question i mean you don't have the hand-to-hand combat but you have you know your life is in peril and you're collecting prizes and and money uh which is a game that i loved and so that's probably maybe the reason why then when i i saw the running man as a kid because i played the game first why i probably loved the running man uh going through the credits i'd love to know and i couldn't find but eddie bunker for uh those out there he is Mr. Blue in one of my favorite movies, Reservoir Dogs. He doesn't have a ton of lines in Reservoir Dogs, but he is credited. I cannot figure out who he is wow. in this movie, but he is in the credits. And then also one other thing to refer back to our last action hero, Frank Columbo is credited in this movie. Yes. And he it well, is a Frank Columbo picture that Jack Slater 4, I believe it yes, is. Yes, it's like Fran- it's Franco Columbu, isn't it? Yes, Columbu, I'm sorry. I- <laughs> Franco Columbu. Columbu. He, yeah, he I- is credited in, uh, in, La- in um, The Running Man, in yeah. the credits. I noticed that when I was watching and also see Paul Abdul go by on the screen and I was not surprised. I know for a fact Franco Columbu is one of Arnold's uh, bodybuilding buddies gotcha. and may also be his like body double or stunt double or something. Okay. But yeah, I know he's he's in a lot of Arnold movies and... Yeah, Arnold threw him a bone in Last Action Hero. He got to be the director of of Jack Slater. Slater. So Eddie Bunker is in this. I can't figure out where. I went back trying to find. I figured he had to be a member of the Resistance. I I couldn't find him. Because he's credited like he has a line because it's a character that has a name. Zero clue. He but, must look really different because it it's only a couple of years before. Right, and that, exactly. And that's the other thing that was when I saw it. I'm like, oh my, Eddie Bunker, these movies, aren't, these movies are probably about four years apart. I know who he is. He's in the control room, I think. I think he's got dark hair. Like, Oh, so I thought he was in the resistance. Okay, I'll have to go back and look. I think so. So those are kind of the only... I wanted to make sure that we at least got in the Smash TV. It is a game that I played, and I'm sure was was a, a derivative of this. And in some ways, you know, it's, it's more serious, but the Hunger Games definitely pull from it. I think what I don't like about those movies... At least the game, you know, part of it is I don't think they got the host right. And maybe for the books, because I haven't read them, the books they may have gotten the host right, and Stanley Tucci's a good actor. But what makes The Running Man fun and The Hunger Games not fun in terms of the game aspect is that Richard Dawson is kind of what makes it fun for me. Well, I think those kinds of things, the, the Hunger Games, and there's a lot of that stuff now, right? Like, this kind of has become its own genre. Yes. Like, isn't The Maze Runner kind of the same idea? And Similar. Like I mean, I don't know if it has the... The death. Well, in the TV presentation, I'm not sure I haven't seen them, but yes, it does feel like it's kind of a, a new genre. It's that's like been a whole yeah, like a young, young adult yes. fiction is all this now. But I think what all that stuff lacks is the sense of satire 
Because I I don't know. I mean, I've only seen the first Hunger Games. I saw it with you, right? Didn't we go to see something? Yep. It was like we were sold out. Like, ah, let's just see Hunger Games. Uh, yeah, and I, I didn't like it. But uh, I don't know how you can mess up a story about a, a battle to the death. Like, basically, yeah, taking the story of the Running Man from all of Running Man's faults. I mean, it looks it's ugly, and I hate the score, and there's plenty of strange stuff in it. But in the end, it's a movie about people battling to the death, and as long as you make that stuff entertaining. You know, I mean, maybe I'm the bloodthirsty guy that <laughs> the movie is criticizing. But that's the thing is is you feel like the running man is trying to make a comment on American culture. Yes. It's as if it's trying it's trying to extrapolate what exists now, you know, with reality TV and all that. Whereas the Hunger Games, no, the, the, those things exist in such a weird, like, isolated fantasy world. Like, I don't know if the, the Hunger Games take place in the future. It's just like a fictional world no it? it's supposed to be i think a, a, a future but it doesn't know. feel like it you know what no. i mean it just feels completely alien it just feels like an alien place yeah sort of like it's a it's a different like star wars that it's established a different right different place yeah it's not like you're seeing like american flags and you know what i mean like it's there is like no connection between that world and our world and so unless there is in the books which to be fair i haven't maybe. read so i don't know but regardless it, but even if that's true the I feel like it's just so toothless compared to what the Running Man is doing. Even though it's only really trying to be sh- schlocky B movie fun, it still does have a point of view about kind of the media landscape that existed in America at the time and where it kind of was projecting it to go. And in a lot of ways, was correct. Yeah. Uh, so you know, that, and that's kind of the thing is if you're not going to almost to a certain extent, what I was saying about like me being the 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 audience that the movie itself is criticizing. If you're not going to be critical of the people who are viewing, who are kind of getting, you know, because Killian has this, that speech at the end about like people love sports, people love wrestling and violence. And that's almost like the, it's at least trying to make a point of like, yeah, Americans love this violent Violent. entertainment. Yep. And that, do you ever see the, like crowds in the Hunger Games, like the audiences of people. Who, like I don't even know if that's a thing. You, I mean, you, I don't. I don't. Don't, I literally don't know. You don't get a lot of it. You get a lot more in the Running Man. That's for sure. Yeah. So, so it's it just feels really toothless. Like it kind of took an interesting idea. Not that this was the first to do it. It won't be the last. <laughs> no, for that's for sure. So you know, with that, I, I I certainly don't have anything else. I think that's the Running Man. And so the the question is, what's next? Uh. I put some thought into this. Well, first of all, we, I think we need to explain a little better how what the system is we're using because we we kind of blew past it the last time. But, okay. Uh, or no, I guess we explained it okay. But at the very least, we should explain which, what's not in the running anymore. Yep. So in the, no pun intended. No, no. Don't don't add that. Add that. I know. To the pun <laughs> right. Pun number eight. Uh, so. Yeah, I shouldn't say no pun intended on a, on this podcast, should I? No. The pun it. should always be intended. Yes. <laughs> I should Very intentional. Yeah, that's not an accidental pun, I swear. Uh so yeah, so because so so the running man we put in our like low budget action movies. So basically the other three movies that are not eligible, so we're not going to do these anytime soon because we did the running man. And again, this is just to kind of keep things mix things up and to keep the podcast fresh so we're not just doing the same kind of movie a bunch in a row. Okay, so we can't do Commando, we can't do Raw Deal, and we can't do Red Heat. 
Yeah, and I would even say that if we could to try and rotate all the way through, if you know, I not even do large budget action since we did last action hero, but I I, I won't say that. Oh no, that's what I'm. Yeah, so we yeah. can't do those either. Yeah, so, so the, uh, the big budget, which would be none of the Terminators, because we've kind of put their in, them in their own separate category. No, we can do the Terminator because right. because it's. Well, a what I'm category. saying is, if people thinking high budget action, Terminators definitely are, but they got their own category for. Um, I don't know if it's obvious reasons, but reasons I certainly agree with. Yeah, so Predator's off the table, Total Recall's off the table, True Lies is off the table because... Because they're a big budget action. Yeah, we hit that category. So, you know, I think we've learned a lot on this podcast up to this point. Agreed. I want to do some more learning. And it's not the learning that maybe you think. I don't want to do kindergarten learning, not yet. Okay. I want to learn about the rules of a crisis situation. Let's do twins. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, so we're going to the comedy genre, which I think is good because it is uh, a significant change from what we've watched. Well, I'll tell you the selfish reason why I want to do Twins. Uh, you want to watch Danny DeVito? Well, uh, yes, but that's not the reason. Okay. Uh, I'm getting sick of this body count stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting. So I want a nice, easy he, one. He needs, a, he needs a break from it. I know a guy gets put in like a neck brace. I, never, I, was, <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while. It's another reason why I want it. I, I've seen Kindergarten Cop pretty recently, but I haven't watched Twins in a long time. So. I haven't watched Twins in a long time either. Yeah, so it'll be good to see it again. Uh, so that'll be our next episode is Twins. All right, Twins. I'm, I'm happy to do it. I don't own that one, so I will, I will go find it. It was on Netflix when I checked all this. But, oh, fantastic. Uh, that was about a month ago, so hopefully it's still up there, but I'm sure it's a Even cheap not, rental. We'll, we'll, we'll find it. Uh, yeah, so that'll be our next episode. Tune in then. Uh, we're getting pretty close. I think we should we should set a date. We start putting these up because we're it's still September right now. It's actually the night of the blood moon or whatever. Yes, we got it. Once we're done, we to, I'm going to step outside with you when you leave and see if I can see the the, the see the, the redness. But uh, yeah, we got to figure out when these are going to go up, just so that uh, and what our schedule is going to be. Because right now we don't know. Uh, we'll figure that out soon, and I'm sure. Yep, it'll I be on our it. website and on our Twitter and all that. But uh, uh, yeah, check those out. What's our Twitter? I, I I forgot last time too. Bad pun at Bad Fun Podcast is our Twitter. Yep, and then bpamg.com is our website. So check those out. I'm sure all this by the time you're hearing this, all of this will be sorted out, and you'll know what our schedule is. And I don't know, probably and send in suggestions or ideas if you have them. Yeah, so you can send in emails, questions at bpamg.com. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, just send your feedback. Uh, should probably say, you know, we're new to this podcast game, but I know a lot of podcasts, you know, just to get the word out about us. Cause we're not, again, since we're not, we don't do this on a regular basis. We're not full-time podcasters or whatever. We just do this in our spare time. So if you like the show, you know, tell your friends, tell people, give us a good rating on whatever your podcast app of choice is. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated. And we'll keep trying to get better with twins being next. We can't get much worse. We're, we're still, you know, I think we'll get better as we go, but uh, as ba- clearly I, you know, I, I need a better system for my uh, body counts. I feel but, confident 36 is correct, but it was a pretty touch and go there. That, that's fair. I'd say, you know, to, for me right now we're at plane zero and we're aspiring to get up to sub-zero. <laughs> I, I would think it would be the opposite. You would, except for that's not how it works in this movie. Plane zero is worse than sub-zero. Oh, so by the movie's logic. Yes, by okay. The Running Man. We're, we're aspiring to get up to sub-zero. We're improving by going to sub-zero. Yes. Okay, I, I can agree with that logic. Fair enough. Okay, so yeah, tune in next time. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks.